Clinkity clink. Hey there, friends. Wow, wasn't that fun? Uh, all right. Uh, yes, I will be joined by my two all co-hosts, right. uh, yes. Gray Waste Tim and Girl Nettles, in just a moment. Uh, but I thought I would start off just me and you, and <laughs> so we could just talk talk about what's happening here. So, guys, this is going to be a show where a lot of people die. Uh, dragons are going to die. People are going to die. And it is frequently going to leave us feeling like we're feeling right now, which is kind of a mix of exhilarated, um, a little bit freaked out, a little bit traumatized, uh, a little bit um, in awe, a little bit... Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot. Your heart's pounding a little bit. Uh, my, my <laughs> I was, I'm feeling it still. I already saw it. Um, you know, now, so imagine you were me at the premiere a month ago in L.A., and right after you saw this episode, they shove you into a L.A. atrium party where the actors are all there and a bunch of swanky uh, industry people and stuff. I was like, ah, I was still freaked out by the episode. In any case, guys, um, I do want to start off by talking about Emma. Um, the way that we're going to deal with death on this show is kind of what I want to talk about first, really. Um, so, like I said, a lot of people are going to die. A lot of dragons are going to die. We're watching a show about the downfall of sort of a decadent family. There's a lot of shows that are like that. That's what kind of show this is. Um, to say there's no happy ending is, is not exactly right. Like, some people will get happy endings. If the war does end, that's happy. Um, a new king gets on the throne at the end or something, you know. But, I mean, like... There's a lot of, and I'm a gray waste as Tim is calling in. I'm just going to have him in my waiting room for a second. There we go. And uh, I guess what I'm saying is we need to honor their deaths. That's what we're going to do. Like, we're, if we're watching it and intaking it, then let's just process it and honor it, talk about how they went out, talk about what their life meant, talk about what the death meant, um, you know, in a somewhat lighthearted way. Because, again, this is all pretend. Nobody really died just now. Um, but at the same time, we're immersed in the world. It definitely is supposed to feel real. We're supposed to empathize with the characters. So I've got many thoughts um, on all of this, and I would definitely welcome your thoughts. And obviously, it's a little bit of a sensitive thing, what we just watched. Uh, but first thing I want to say about um, Queen Emma. So first of all, this is an example of the character building. Yeah, it's not real. Just remind yourself, nobody actually died. It's okay. Um, what a performance by the actress. Um, what, a, what a job of character building by the show in a short amount of time um, to build that up, both her relationship with Rhaenyra. I, I remember I was telling you that before the thing. I was like, her relationship with Rhaenyra is built up a lot more. Well, it's not even really mentioned in Fire and Blood. And this is just the kind of thing that when I say fill in the gaps, like this is what we're talking about, the gap was her entire relationship with her mother and the story of what it's like to be a, a mother, quote, with a royal womb. Um, I took some notes. We were chatting, obviously, here during the thing, but I took some notes, and that was one of the lines she said to her daughter, we have royal wombs, which kind of just says it all. You know, the crown possesses the womb, and then you saw that play out in that scene. Uh, so there's a maester conspiracy angle, obviously, to talk about. There's a dragon baby reference in there. But the first thing I want to say is that, obviously, what's the point of taking us to this emotional place and showing us this scene? Um, like, we'll talk about whether or not the maesters were correct in their assessment, and we can analyze Viserys' choice and all that stuff. But, like, what's the point of the show 
showing us this scene. In my opinion, it's kind of like this. If they're going to say that the birthing bed is a battlefield, then you've got to show that it's actually a battlefield. Um, and that's why they juxtapose it, obviously, with the jousting and people's getting their brains beaten out. But, like, we're accustomed to seeing gore on the battlefield. And it's like, you know, this is a different kind of gore and violence uh, that we are told about happens in the story all the times. You know, there's lots of women that die in childbirth, but we never really get that description of what that's like. Um, so obviously this was an extra twisted situation. Like I said, there's a question of whether or not the maesters were honestly assessing the situation when they presented um, their, you know, their, their thing to, uh, to Viserys or their, you know, their, the predicament, their summation of the predicament. But um, I think that Emma, uh, you know, what can you say about her? She obviously was a strong woman. She was trying to do, you've really felt for her when she was like, I'm sorry if I've failed you. But at the same time, she's like, I I don't know if I could try again. I can't watch another child die. So you felt her exhaustion um, and, uh, (laughs) and just the, you know, it's meant to, the point of, you know, I heard Miguel Sapochnik in an interview talk about uh, you know, he, you know the, the amount of mothers that die in childbirth, and he overstated whatever the statistic is dramatically. But the point is that any time a woman gets pregnant, there's a small chance. Like, even now, there's a small chance. It's much, much smaller than it used to be. But it's always dangerous. There's complications. There's all kinds of things. And even when it goes right, it's very traumatic on your body. There's all kinds of sacrifices. And then both parents make endless sacrifices of their spirit and of their time and their life to raise the child. So the, violent, the most violent aspect of childbirth gone wrong in a storytelling point of view for Ice and Fire is essentially meant to, be, uh, to put a spotlight on the entire sacrifice of raising children. The whole thing is a sacrifice, um, and that is dramatized or dramatized many ways in A Song of Ice and Fire. This is sort of the most extreme uh, situation, but just I just want to, you know, give everyone, take, take a breath. Uh, that was a lot. Emma was awesome. The performance was amazing. Um, the maesters, I told you those maesters were hella creepy. <laughs> so with that said, let me go ahead and bring in my guests, and we will get to all the fun stuff and have lots of jokes and stuff, but I didn't feel like we could start doing that until we... Uh, at least mention that and, and give everyone a chance to, to process that together, <laughs> which we were doing in the chat, you know, obviously as well. So let me go ahead and bring in Mr. Gray Waste Tim. Is that Gray Waste Tim or is that, uh, is that, a, is that a dragon? I'm not sure who's, who, who's that is. Say hello. Hello, everybody. And let me just uh, me keep talking for a minute so I can check your audio. It's probably through the mask. <laughs> uh, it's super low. Yeah, I need you to definitely be yeah, louder. Yeah, yeah. I'm just um, going to – the fun's going to have to come. <laughs> but I appreciate – I we appreciate the effect. See, you know, the thing is the joke here is that Damon's ca- – uh, Damon. <laughs> Grey Waste Tim's cat is named Damon. And so he has to cosplay Vis- Vis- uh, Caraxes as an accessory to Damon. So there you go. And let me just pop over to Twitter to make sure uh, uh, Girl Nettles has the uh, – address she should so i'm sure she'll be along shortly and so um since we're talking about emma what was your thoughts about emma tim and uh just what we saw there uh i first can we can you hear me now 
Yeah, you're still way quiet. Uh, make sure you have the right microphone selected. Or that you uh, see if you have an input that you can turn up. See if you can find that. Um, definitely the performance was... Uh, was <laughs> like I said, that was, that was one episode. Like, that was 60 minutes, and we just met somebody... And, uh, okay, everyone's saying they hear them. All right, go ahead and talk to him. Let me see. Let me uh, keep talking, and we'll see how it is. It's, it shows that it's not very loud on my end, but I guess I'm wrong. I don't know. Okay. Sorry for making you feel like you had a technical issue when you actually didn't. I humbly beg your forgiveness, friend Tim. Can you lower your camera a little bit? It feels like you're, you're riding kind of low in the, in the saddle there. There you go. That's a little better. All right. So... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell us what you thought of the of uh, the Emma performance, the scene. Take any angle on it you want. We d we definitely need to get into the the Maester angle because it, Otto might have just had Viserys's wife and son murdered, um, possibly. Possibly. Um, yeah, I I was about to tear up when they started binding her and holding her down. I I, I immediately started tearing up. Um, it makes me be so thankful for the advances we have today in medical science and birthing because uh, I myself, I was a breech birth. Like my mom had to have a C-section in order to have me. And luckily she was able to be sedated, put to sleep and wake up and hold me when I was born. So I, like, I too was a C-section baby. And yes, uh, I too am thankful for modern medicine. That's a good point. Yeah. But okay. yeah, like, uh, carry on. I was just, yeah, it's just like, uh, I love the the dynamic that they that they gave with uh, Emma and her daughter because, like you said, it's not something we got to see in Fire and Blood. Since I mean, it's by design. Fire and Blood reads like a history, so we're not gonna get um, we're not gonna get like dialogue between characters except for a few lines that are people are quoted as saying. So to really flesh that out to build up a relationship between mother and daughter and to see how close they were before she's so sadly taken away from her and everything that that everything that comes with that it was it was heartbreaking but at the same time it's like you, you see you get to cherish those moments even though you know they're not going to last like you know even with even with i, I feel like even if you haven't read the book <laughs> you you know that like there's a tragedy coming <laughs> like, like it, it's pretty much there from the beginning as soon as you as soon as the episode begins, like, I don't, I don't think things are going to go very well for this family. And that's kind of what I was saying to people about the Fire and Blood story is because it is so condensed history, it doesn't really impact you unless you slow down and sort of not just read it through in a race, but like stop and think about the events that are being described in only a few sentences. You have to stop and imagine what would that have been like for the characters? It's ne like it's never explicitly said Rhaenyra constantly chafed against her gender. But it's like, think about it. Any woman that's trying to be the first queen of Westeros is obviously in, in a gender struggle by default because she's, asked, she's being asked to take on the duties of a king to fill the role of Aegon the Conqueror, but without the right, the full rights and privileges of half, half of society. So of course it's a gender struggle. Like, <laughs> you, it, they don't have to tell you that. Um, when you see all these women trying to have children and like, you know, they survived for three days and then they died. It was like, those were three days of hell that everyone just went through that just got glossed over. So now if I could, if I could zero in on something, 
The thing that was the most disturbing about the scene is that they did not ask Emma. There was no conversation with her. And then the Septas just kind of moved in and they held her down. And Viserys is like, it's going to be all right, fully knowing that she's going to die. And so they made mm -hmm. this choice, I guess, not to give her the choice and just to go forward with it. That made it extra disturbing. I think the point of doing that was to, it was to demonstrate uh, the lack of agency that women ultimately have. Um, in a gnarly way. But let me go ahead and bring in Nettles, um, who is going to be amazingly beautiful in her cosplay. And I'm asking her, I'm bringing her in on a super gnarly question. So we'll just have to have, handle that cognitive dissonance. Girl Nettles, welcome to the show. Woohoo! Cosplaying oh Lena Valarion, I assume, yes? Um, yeah. I kind of, can you guys hear me? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, if okay. when you're close to the mic, it sounds great. Maybe point it at you a little bit more. Looks like okay, it's perfect. pointing to your dragon more than you. There you go. Honestly, I kind of have this headcanon that nettles, because in the books she has brown hair, but then when she rides Sheepstealer for the first time, Sheepstealer kind of burns her and then she burns her hair like Daenerys and then she grows the silver Targaryen hair. That's I like that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, Lena or Lena. Well, you know, we're gonna need John's hair to turn color too. I've predicted that it's gonna come back white because um, we've seen that the being brought back from the dead can do stuff like that. Uh, Stoneheart comes back with white hair, so uh, I'm looking right? for John to turn into more of a. Theon, even Theon has white hair. Saying also Theon, yes. So, so um, so this so guys, welcome. Uh, got Grey Waste, Tim, and Girl Nettles. This is the crew. We will occasionally bring a fourth person in to join us um, on rotating fashion, but this is our crew, and uh, I'm really thrilled that, uh, thank you guys for joining me and all that. Um, uh, the official contract, I forgot to email it to you. I'll get it to you. It's, uh, it's just, gonna, you know, it's, so. Um, Management, what yeah. can you do? Yeah, my manager is a, is a big slacker, it, it's, which is somewhere but lives in the back here. Um, so in any case, uh, we're talking about the Emma scene, and let's go ahead and, and finish that so we can get to some of the awesome and fun stuff and, and, uh, and liven things up here. But like I said, the creepy part was not giving her a choice. What did you think about that? That was insane. Well, first of all, kudos to Patty Considine, because like, I'm, an, I'm an actor. I've been acting since I, was like, since I was nine. And the acting on his face without words was amazing. Like, you could see him like when he says, I, lo I love you to her for the last time. Um, you could see exactly in his face that I love you, but I got to kill you because I need an heir. So I don't know if that's really love, but whatever that aside. But I, I did. I was watching the stream and exactly what you said, the fact that she had no agency and you just see how they dragged her legs. They dragged her legs and she's like, and that's when she's it was like, oh, honestly wait. so violent when they did that. Like it was so jarring when they when they just yanked her down. It's like you are now a piece of meat instead of a person like it was right. It was messed up. Do yeah. your duty. Do your duty and, and give me an air. Um, I was watching it with my man. And I turned around and I told him, if it ever comes down to me or a kid, please choose me. Yes. Um, I, I can give you another kid. Yeah, I don't know the kid yet. Exactly. Um, uh, but I mean. It, Patty's it, acting it, was, was amazing throughout. And we'll get into like, you know, evaluating the act. But yes, Patty obviously had some, <laughs> some great stuff there. told the story of exactly what was going on and like, he, it's like he never even made a choice. As soon as they said, like, we, we can only save one life, he immediately said the son. Um, but well, they didn't say they could save either life. 
it was like they're both going to die or we can or one. Yeah. save the sun. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, there's another question of is that like, is that accurate given the medical technology that they had? That's what I was saying. Could they do C-sections in medieval times? I don't know. I, I don't. I wish I had. I should have thought to research that before the stream, to be honest. Um, but I, I don't. It seems like the way it's presented to me as a lay person is that like the maesters were a little quick to be like, well, this is our dilemma. Like, I think we're supposed to doubt whether or not they were accurate at the very least. What, what do you think, Tim, about the medical side of it? It's, it's hard to tell because of how little they knew back then. Like, it's hard to tell if Mellis is being genuine when he says all efforts have been made to try and turn the baby around and get it in proper placement to do a good natural birth. Um, but so, but, and that's the thing, but uh, given like the whole Maester conspiracy, uh, maybe he was telling the truth. Maybe it was a lie. Maybe there was more that they could have done. It's like, it's really, really ambiguous exactly how much he really how much more he really could have done. And I think but that's something. Makers, so Carl Karsnark, Carl, if we're real quick, uh, Karsnark is an IRL med bro, uh, he oh, says. Nice. And uh, he says that they were correct for what technology they had. Um, and obviously I'll look to follow up on that, but um, maybe maybe that was the case when it's turned around. I don't know. But um, I think the point was... Uh, that I, I think that's why they maybe didn't give her a choice so that we right. don't focus on whether or not they were right or not, but just on the fact that like the w women don't get the choice. Ultimately, it's a royal womb. It's the possession of the crown. And when the crown makes an executive decision about it, that's that. I think that is the, the bottom line takeaway, right? Emma even told Rhaenyra, like, this is our job. Like, like imagine clocking into a nine to five and your job is to produce the air. So that was her job. Um, but she said, please, Viserys, like that was, I'm still reeling from that. Like, even though she knew that was her job, she still said, please, like, give me a chance. And, uh, then yep. the maester, then the, then the maester takes the baby, the baby's crying, rocks it, and looks at it. And he goes, uh, oh. Yeah, yeah to go through all of that and then to hear that baby start coughing and it's like, oh, no, no, no. Well, a nice, a nice touch in the directing was that um, Viserys didn't even bother to check the gender of the kid, which was the whole point of it. Like he was holding Emma's hand and they had to tell him, oh, you have a son. And he's like, a son? It's like, yeah, that was the whole point. So you could tell it's like he made the decision, but he was obviously very torn up about it. Um uh, to the point of, and that's how they sort of showed you that, like, yeah. at least, you know, I don't, I won't say at least, uh, there's, you can, I think you can judge Viserys pretty harshly, uh, particularly for not giving Emma a choice, right? I mean, that's the main thing. Like he didn't explain to her the situation because then maybe she can have a choice to sacrifice herself in order to save her child, but th th that's her choice at least, right? What do you mm -hmm. think her choice would have been? Well, if there's not a way to save her, I mean, probably, that's hard to say. That's hard to say. I um, think she would have chosen herself because number one, that last moment when she's like, she was like, Viserys, please. Because she realizes what happened and she's like, Viserys, please. Number one, and then, and then the conversation she has with him when she's taking a bath, she was like, this is the last one. 
Yeah. She's already saying, like, I've given up on the kid thing. Yeah. She's already saying, like, I That's gave you freaking Rhaenyra. Like, <laughs> let's let's travel the world. Let's do something else. Let's go on a cruise. Um, <laughs> let's retire. Um, so I feel like she would have chosen herself, but but even yeah. that seems kind of different from what I expect of a woman of those times. Cause like, let's compare like a character like Catelyn. I feel like Catelyn would have been like, oh, I'll die so that my child can live type of thing. Right. But. I agree that Emma had a different energy. Yeah, exactly. She oh, wasn't no. all about just like anything for my children, you know, or for making more children even. Yeah, um, so Roderick, Roderick Spence with a super chat and a good point. There's a stark difference between how and why they portrayed Queen Emma's Arryn's death compared to Talisa in A Game of Thrones. Arryn, um, uh, Emma's death is much more tastefully portraying the reality and terror of birth, past and present, right? Like the pregnancy stabbing, quote unquote, was just like one more horror that they threw on top of the Red Wedding to make it even more jarring when it was already horrific. I, I thought that that was tasteless as well. This was entirely different as far as... Um, because anytime you're choosing to, to show violence or sex or anything extreme, it should have a point. Like when you throw that stuff in just for shock value, most people consider that to be tasteless. So there's always has to be a point. I mean, really, everything has to have a point. Everything that's on the screen has a point. So it's really just a matter of asking why they're doing stuff. Um, but yeah, great point, Roderick. Thanks for the super chat. There's a couple more up here. Let me see if I can get back to them. Um, Gunnar Dan, bombshell ending, but John or Danny weren't on the throne. That's true. <laughs> um, that probably will continue to be true. And also, guys, if I miss any of your super chats, they are being collected in a doc, which I will circle back to at a certain point in the stream after we've gotten through some things. So ultimately, I will get back to your questions. And yes, as many people in the section of uh, in the chat have pointed out, Julius Caesar was born with a C-section, hence the name Caesarian section. Thank you very much. Oh, 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 yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, welcome to the Squishers, Uniquely Stellar. And by the way, the Squishers is, that's the YouTube channel membership. So you just hit the join button right next to the subscribe. It's $5 a month. And you get access to all these cool emojis down here that you can see on the screen that I'm entering in my little chat there. Um, and so, uh, yes, where was I? Uh, Super Chats. Well, I, I wanted catching. to ask Tim what Go he ahead. thought. If what um what we have to remember to ask tim what he thought me and you will just talk the whole time we need tim's very polite so thank you nettles yeah, yeah I, I try and wait for uh for an oh, for uh everyone you can be waiting talk. all day my brother go ahead nettles ask tim what do you think um emma's I, i've been saying emma and i heard viserys say emma so what do you think emma would have chosen if she was consulted at all about her vagina i i do think um that she might that she would have choked if if uh, that she would have chosen herself, because like you said, like she already laid out, like we have Rhaenyra, we lost one in the cradle, we've had two stillbirths, we've had two lost praise, like we're one for six, like the odds, <laughs> the odds have not been our favor, and the way she was saying, like in that tub scene, it's like this, ha this has to be the last one, I can't, I cannot go through this again. Now, if Melos had given had the opportunity to like really lay it out for her like look it's either the baby or nothing like i can't save both of you but i can save the baby maybe then she would have been like okay save the kid so at least one of us can live but that's but i think if there was the if, if it was literally uh it's hit it's the baby or you i do think she would have chosen herself i hope mellows becomes kyburn 
It's what do you mean you hope Bella? Is this like a okay? I was about to say, is this a strange like Kyburn is 150 years old, Bruce Bolton, immortal vampire? No, 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 no. I mean like archetype, like kind of like okay. okay I'm a, I'm the science guy. Like I'm gonna do the experiments that people are afraid to do, type of thing. That's what I was thinking when he, when he was talking because I was like, I couldn't. Yes, C sections were around. We've established that, but at the time I was like, wait a minute, is this the first C section we're seeing in this era? Um. So I was like, okay, this is Kyburn. He's not afraid to do the science experiments and to try new things. Um, wow. What a show. They fucking did it. I can't believe it. Okay, I already have a conspiracy theory just based on this birth. You guys want to hear it? Okay, so hold on real quick, just for accuracy. <laughs> I'm being told that cesarean section derives, actually derives from the Latin word cadere, uh, which means to cut. Cadaver. And, and it is associated with Caesar famously, but that that is... Uh, Anyway, I'd sort that out on your own. I don't know who's right, but... um we have such an educated chat. I learned things from them. Oh, it's disputed. Disputed by historic... That's always the, <laughs> the final answer, actually. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you for giving us the other... Uh, you know, the other side of that debate. I, I do appreciate that, in all honesty. So, who's the nerd? Carl? Is that... <laughs> Uh, that we've got oh, we've got a we've got a lot we've got more than one we've got more than Carl and Anu we've got a few. Um, uh, so. Actually, it was. Uh, <laughs> so can we talk about the conspiracy angle, Tim? Let me stick with you. Do you think that Otto? So do you think the Maesters were were doing foul play? And if so, do you think Otto was involved? There was a lot of tight cuts between all that happening and Otto sending a raven to Old Town. Um, and I just watching it on the second time, it felt more conspiratorial to me. But what do you what did you think? For me right now, when it comes to Melos, as I just want to like to just focus on Melos just as our mace because he's our one maester example at the moment. He's someone that I'm on the fence about right now. He's someone I feel I need more episodes to get more characterization because I don't know if he's a Maester Lewin genuinely trying to do his best and do good, or if he's a Kyburn, or if he's a or if he's a conspiratorial gray rat. I think I need more I need more characterization from him to form more of a to form more of an opinion on him. So far, I think the Maester conspiracy is very much alive, um, and if you notice, like. In the we didn't see much of the Great Council, but they made sure to show us the Maesters carrying the the vote decision, and then the proclamation is sealed with the Maesters logo. So like oh, you're very much aware that, that like they are counting the vote, and you know what I mean. Like they told us that much. <laughs> wow! In the books, didn't they say the vote was like nineteen to one? So the way they reel out in the books is super shady. They say that talk was that it was 20 to one, but the results were never released. Yeah. So it's like, like deliberately Rainey's fishy. wouldn't vote for herself. Corley's wouldn't vote for Rainey's. Like that doesn't even make sense. It, and they were, and yeah, they told you that they made it out like they had more support. Like when you looked at the allies, they had Baratheons and Starks and some major houses that would have brought smaller houses with them. So it's kind of not believable and hat tip to Preston Jacobs overanalyzing uh, House of the Dragon series. He he really like, he really, I was watching one of his videos and he was pointing at a lot of stuff. I was like, yeah, that's true. They did have a lot of support. I mean, I was already on the idea that they didn't publish the results and that's fishy, but he made the point that like, it definitely wasn't 20 to one based on just who they told us their allies were. So 
that's it definitely fishy. And I would say on the show, like I said, they're presenting the Maesters in a very fishy way. They got those like fray looking hats on. That's deliberately creepy headgear, is it not? It is. It is. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Cause I thought it was. So it, it is. Go ahead, Jim. Say, it's that old that quote I think a lot of us have heard, like those who cast the votes decide nothing, those who count the votes decide everything. I've never heard that quote and I don't like that. <laughs> I, used to work I used to work elections. I used to work for the government and I used to work elections. Um, so I don't like that quote. <laughs> well, it's yeah, I, I'm, I have to zip my tongue or I'm going to segue into real world politics. So we skipped over some some basic stuff. What did you guys think of the episode? Are we are we like are you both of the same opinion as me? Uh, it's a great episode. The show's going to be awesome. Like what? Where are we on this? I got notes. I mean, so I was watching with my man, and he is not a book reader. He doesn't know anything at all about House of the Dragon. Okay. And I had to, like, I don't know if I had to. Maybe I was just a know-it-all in explaining. So I was telling him a lot. So I also feel like if you don't, if you don't know what we know, that maybe it would have been, like, a different experience, kind of. Because there was a lot of, like, fill-in-the-blanks type of thing. But I, I loved it. I cannot wait. I love that the pace they're going to going through. And did we get the um, the theme music, like what the um, the opening song is? Well, no, get- no. I mean, not really. No, um, they sort of they they, they played, right away. They played my favorite piece of music over the opening sequence, and when they flashed the Targaryen logo, and when Rhaenyra was fl- flying Cyrax, the dragon Cyrax, as it's pronounced. Um, and that was the and and that's that's my favorite piece that I've heard from theme. Which one? It's a modified version of the Targaryen theme. It's very similar to the yes, it's very much the new version of that. But it's got this new movement in it that's really amazing. And I was think I was hoping that that was going to be the title song because I want to make a cover of it. But we yes. didn't get an official thing. So now we have to wonder, are they just holding it to next week because they did the cold open? Or are they really giving us a show with, with no opening sequence? I don't know. I don't have any inside info on that. So I, I have a bet with my friend Finch, um, if, she, if you're watching, because I was like, I would love it if they had the same dun, 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 Because I'm like, that song is so good. You might as well keep it again. And she was like, no way. Like, they would never pay, um, I can't, R- Ramin they would never pay him to make the same song. And when I, I heard that sequence and I was like, um, it might be the same opening theme song. Well, I'm they, not mad. They played basically the straight Game of Thrones theme on the ending credits for sure. I mean, right. it was, it had some vocals in it, but it was just a slight remix. So I don't know. We'll just have to see next week. But um, I think I am going to make my version of the, of the one that I was talking about. I, I, I liked that too much. Um, so I, real quick, your your boyfriend or your man? I'm sorry, I don't know what the what the official term. Your partner, he liked it or was he like having trouble with it or what did he think of it overall? I think I hyped it up too much. Like I've been getting ready for four hours. <laughs> fair. So he was fair. just kind of like he was like, well, you know, in Game of Thrones, he's like, it's not no brand being pushed out the window, and I'm like, but we got it. We got a lot of deaths and stuff. He was like, but. I was watching him, like I had my eye on him. He was like riveted. Okay. He was riveted yeah. type of thing. But um, no, I'm... Because ultimately, I like... I don't want to get too gross, but I, I was 
thoroughly enjoying this show the entire time. I yeah, and, and the thing is, like, Game of Thrones, it, ending aside, like, it was eight seasons. It covered a lot of ground. You can't compare one episode to all the places that, you know, think about the first episode of Game of Thrones in the first season. Like, this show is off to a great start, in my opinion. So I gave this first episode, I called it a 10 out of 10 when I came out of the theater. What would you give it out of 10? 10 out of 10. Okay, and Tim, uh, give me your number and, and baseline uh, rating for it here. 10 out of 10. Yeah, so, okay. So, and, and how do you guys feel in the chat? Give me, give me your numbers out of 10. Go ahead and just flood the chat with ratings, and we'll take a quick... Uh, We'll take a quick uh, polling of the uh, of the fandom here. I I, I think also it was judge the wigs. The wigs are so good. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for the wigs. <laughs> Eight out of ten is six. Ten, seven, ten, ten, ten. Looking pretty positive. Yep. So it's it's okay to leave room. Oh, look at that. There we go. There we go. Look how fast it's going. Everybody's <laughs> piping in. And by the way, we are in subscriber mode only. If you're just wandered in and you can't comment. All you need to do is hit that little red button that says subscribe. Um, it's a way to keep out like bots and things like that. It's it's really easy. All you have to do is just literally click the button and then you can you can chat. So, um, yeah. Okay. So let's go. I've got a little bit of. I have segments designed so we don't just wander around um, talking about all the different stuff. That was my idea. We'll we'll evolve this as we go week to week. But so th this we've done therapy. I think we're th we're therapied now. <laughs> And the, the, the fan results, yeah, are looking pretty good here. Um, I'm seeing mostly very high scores, only the occasional low score. I'll be curious to see what some of the people that hated it think, but for the most part, it looks uh, like everyone's feeling good about it. One million out of ten, Joe O'Shaughnessy says. <laughs> so flying D-Watch means, of course... This is our dragon segment. So we saw uh, two dragons. We saw Cyrax and Caraxes, right? Yes. And Balerion Skull. And Balerion Skull. Thank you. That counts. Absolutely. That's part of Balerion. Oh, by the way, um, we're going to have to take some votes on how we pronounce things. I say Balerion like he's a transformer. Um, and uh, most people say Balerion, and I'm getting, I'm getting lambasted for that. Is that bug people? Like, tell me in the chat. Do, do I need to say Balerion? Like, like my whole thing is George has told us that we can pronounce it however we want. He has, and so that's why I'm always like sporting about this. There is no real right answer. I mean, listen, I'm petty. I'll pronounce things wrong on purpose just to piss people off. Because if George told me I can pronounce Dothrakai, isn't that how he says Dothraki? <laughs> he says Dothrakai. Like Cobra Kai. Yeah. So let us. Yeah, that's how he pronounces. So let us pronounce it however the however we want. <laughs> I, I flip-flop between both pronunciations of Balerion. Sometimes I say Balerion. Sometimes I say Balerion. It's, it depends. Yeah, I yeah, he's, he's, I just call him Baller Ryan. He's Baller Ryan, the Black Dread. He's a baller. He's got one dread. He's like a super OG Rasta. It's all gone. It's the, the Black Dread is his hair. It's one dread. That's Baller Ryan. Um, anyways, so Flying D-Watch, what do we think of the dragons? We've seen a lot of this, obviously, in the previews, but... How about that opening sequence with Rhaenyra and Cyrax? I felt like it was telling you that this is a fantasy show, like announcing right off the bat, like the dragon usage will be casual. People will just arrive into a scene on a dragon and then they'll put it away. And we're not, we don't have to go to war every time there's a dragon. Like I felt like on Game of Thrones, they misered the dragon CGI and every time they brought it out, it was like action, action, and then they disappeared. And this show is not like that. I feel like the dragons are just going to be as casual as the nudity. 
Well, yeah. Didn't you see the people in King's Landing when the dragon flew over? They were just like, eh, just walking by. Like, we've seen this a million times. Versus Game of Thrones where people, every time, they were like, you know. Yeah, they're just so absolute like law because dragons have been extinct for so long. Right. That's that's I true. Like that, the reaction of the crowd is really important just to show you how it's been normalized and how chill it is. Yeah. So Red Keep looked awesome. It's more red now. Um, the whole sequence is great. I love the little dragon cooing and, and little, the little sounds that it was making as it was flying and the, like the flaps and the seagulls, like very immersive, very rich. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that. The, the dragon handlers, you know, I mean, it was wow. a little bit campy with the old and the young. And it's like, oh, no, you know, give you a chance to use the command. And he's all like, oh, easy, Cyrax, easy, easy, <laughs> you know, but. I like the fact that they have 10-foot poles, like that that's the safe way to touch a dragon is with a 10-foot pole. Do you think there's like a metaphor there? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a Corona six feet, like <laughs> keep your distance. But, like the flame could only go 10 feet. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what we needed. Yes, that's what we needed in the supermarket uh, two years ago is we needed those 10-foot poles. Um, <laughs> I have a question. It looked like Easy, Cyrax. I'm just trying to get groceries. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Back up. <laughs> Were there two riders or was it just Rhaenyra on that opening sequence? Oh, just Rhaenyra. But there was two okay. dragon handlers, I meant. No, I know, I know. But for okay. me, I had a question because it seemed like I, maybe it was just the saddle was so big and Rhaenyra. I'm like, are there two people? So I was like, is it Rhaenyra and Damon already well, she riding was, together? I had questions. Well, she was trying to get Allison to, she was, oh, pretty soon, you know, just about big enough for you to ride. And Allison's like, eh, eh. Which, of course, foreshadowing, like, Allison doesn't like dragons. Like, yeah, she's going to like him a lot less by the time this is all done. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was a cool character-building scene. What do we think of the... Um, oh, no, we're on Flying D-Watch still. So then the other one was uh, Caraxes at the end, right? Mm -hmm. So this is Damon storming out of the city or whatever. Um, yeah, we'll get into that whole, um, whole Damon scene. I told you guys there wasn't going to be a ton of dragon action in the first episode. Uh, they were more setting up the characters. So I, in my opinion, Dragon of the Week has to go for, with Cyrax uh, for the opening sequence. I think that was pretty majestic. What do you guys think? For me, it's, it's going to be Caraxes because I have never in my life seen a dragon with wings on its hind legs. Caraxes oh. is awesome. I'm definitely a Caraxes stand. So we got to vote for Caraxes and one for Cyrax. What do you think, Tim? Break the tie. Uh, Correct. Caraxes was always my favorite dragon, from, even from the books, and I'm pretty sure, given his characterization, he's going to remain my favorite as the show goes on. Well, I, I'm embarrassed. I need to change my vote to make it unanimous because I'm supposed to be the Caraxes fan, but I was just trying to be, like, not a complete Caraxes homer and give some credit to Cyrax, but um, very well. It's Caraxes. It's always going to be Caraxes. That's fine. Whatever. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, but, but good stuff. Um, Caraxes. I was just gonna say, like when we saw Crax, especially when we saw Damon petting him, and I was just like watching. I'm like, oh, big, you know. I'm just like, oh, big puppy. Um, <laughs> like I have a uh, not a puppy though. That's not a puppy. Well, it's yeah, an yeah, intentional but, like, juxtaposition <laughs> to show both Damon and Rhaenyra with this relationship with their dragons. Like in the middle, we have Viserys going, "The dragons destroyed Valeria," and it's like this all like we've got to keep them because the long night, but it's really awful, and we should never have messed with them. Is it? And then we've got at the beginning of the show, Rhaenyra very comfortable with her dragon, petting the dragon. And then at the end, we have Damon doing the same thing. So the sort of bookending 
King Viserys in the middle with these two more true dragons in Rhaenyra and Daemon, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm still like, wow. I'm like still high from the show, though. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so happy. Two years waiting. I'm a it little. Was I, I wanted it to be. I'm almost yeah. happy. I'm able to be a little more chill because I've seen it once. But yeah, I was. I know. That's I recorded that video right after I got out of the the thing, and I was definitely like, eh. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. So yeah, Caraxes is the dragon of the week. Let's go, Bloodworm. Let's go. That's fine. I'm okay. Like I said, if we give it to him every week, that's okay. But Vagar, <laughs> uh, Vagar, 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 she's gonna come around here pretty soon. So you don't just watch out. <laughs> Now hold on. Now we're we're gonna see some sheep stealer. You know it's gonna be, you know there's there's a sunfire. There's gonna be some other ones. Well, how about I have nettles? I haven't talked. To, we talked on Twitter, but how about the fact that Sapochnik, in the middle of his like professing his love for the dragons, stops and says that his favorite three are the wild dragons, which of course includes sheep's Like that means we're gonna get a good sheep stealer. I think that means they're doing it on purpose. Like we we won't see them until they want us to. They're gonna look crazy. They're gonna look crazy. We're not, we're like I'm. I'm just assuming that it, they're gonna be dragons that we've never seen before. I, I cannot wait. Cannibal. Yeah, I'm super interested to see how they how they depict cannibal. Yeah, I'm, and I'm looking for um, in general all of the characters and dragons that kind of just have one moment of glory in the story. I expect them to find little ways to sort of expand out their presence so that we meet them earlier. Like somebody was saying, blood and cheese is obviously gonna happen in season two, but blood is a member of the city watch. So might we meet him in season one to set that up? That would be smart. Um, stuff like that. So cannibal, sheep stealer, and, uh, wow. and um, gray ghost. Yeah, we could, we could hear about cannibal eating fishermen again or you know to be all the the sheep they keep disappearing or the goddamn brown dragon keeps stealing all sheep lord it's important lord corliss gotta help us you know something like that it's sheep borrower you know just borrowing those, sheep. Dragons, those sheep like sheep lisa I, I feel like i know who blood is there was one scene with the air for a day thing when um they're like in that brothel and everyone's like okay be quiet there's like one guy who's giving it to a girl from behind that's blood you know who I'm talking about? That one guy who's like in the middle of. <laughs> I I do I don't know if I do. I I am I'll have to I'm, I I want to go back and look now to see like this is a good fan theory we'll that you've come him. up with. He's actually center stage of that of that of the shot. Of, like, yeah, is he the one that's <laughs> like the like, prince wants to speak or whatever? Was that? Yeah, him? yeah, and then we okay. just see like his bare yeah. like the focal point becomes his bare ass until Damon yeah, gets up and starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> all right so but, uh, you heard it here first this is the this is the reason why you come to this post game show and we know you have choices we appreciate you rocking with us here uh to get the hard-hitting analysis nettles is always coming with the theories so we've got the we've got the we've got the nettles uh uh hair burning turning pale theory um uh what else you had another one too wasn't it yeah, I haven't said it yet about Ama's uh, birth gift. I thought of it when with that scene of her giving birth, but we can wait until we yeah, get to that. Yeah, don't blow our minds too quick here. So that was Flying D-Watch. Um, Tim, did you have any comments on the dragons in general, either these two that we saw or all the dragons that we've seen 
in just the way that they're, I've been talking about it a lot on the past streams this whole week about how they're approaching the dragons and the dragon bond. So look, uh, give me some thoughts on that stuff, man. Yeah. So like what, going back to what we had said about how the dragons are more, are going to be more normalized. It's just like a daily part of life, especially, you know, in, in King's Landing and then Dragonstone when we see it. Cause you think back to game, the original show, we don't see the dragons until the very last scene of season one. And it's just the baby oh, dragons. But here we're opening our very like our very first scene is Sire is Cyrax flying across the sky and it's like yeah it, it's like a completely different perspective it's like seeing a dragon in, at this point in time because there's so many dragons it's like seeing a dragon flying in the sky in King's Landing is as normal as me walking outside and seeing some squirrels in my backyard it's like it's com it's a total 180 from the way we were supposed to perceive dragons in in Game of Thrones it's like yeah the, the, they 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 live here they're there. <laughs> Another difference is the the way that the dragons are like safer to be around. Like these dragons are trained. They are used to being around people. The handlers no. aren't freaking out like it's a life or death situation. They're using caution, but they're like mm -hmm. obviously this is a routine. They expect the the dragon has expect I'm sure he's going to get a nice fat treat. <laughs> nice ox, yeah. you know, or something <laughs> like when they when he goes into his little paddock or whatever. So it's just yeah, it's totally like, different. Danny doesn't know anything about how to control her dragons, and she has to lock them up in a basement because she just doesn't know what to friggin' do with them. And 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 Drogon's wild and loose and 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 stealing sheep and children possibly. So totally different approach to the dragons, isn't it? I love Cyrax being the one to light the funeral pyre for Emma. And was that the first time that we've actually seen a Targaryen funeral rite? Or funeral, is it funeral right or funeral custom? Yeah, unless you count Danny's burning Drogo, um, she kind of invented that herself. It was. I it was a Dothraki thing. Um, the whole no? yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. Um, now so. I need to look up every region's funeral. <laughs> I don't think you know. Yeah, we wouldn't have seen any Targaryen funerals on on Game of Thrones. No, I mean there wouldn't have been any. There were no. It's like Maester Aemon got a knight. Like he, um, how did he die on the show? I remember in how he died. He was burned. Okay. He was burned on the the Night's Watch pyre thing that they kind of had. The same one that they had. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That's weird how the Night's Watch have the same funeral rituals as the Valerians, isn't it? You know, and the Valerians also have dragon glass, and the Night's Watch have dragon glass. The Valerians are supposed to fight the others. The Night's Watch fight the others. I don't know. This all seems like kind of copacetic to me, but. Well, I don't know if that's if that's the Night's Watch or them honoring Aemon's family tradition. Well, but the they burned Bannon too. I think you burn people in the North because of the Whiting problem, right? Right, right. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. So he doesn't return. <laughs> right. Well, but, just um, interesting that the Valerians have death rites that are, you know, anti-white yeah, technology. I guess, but just you know, it could be coincidence, but. Of course, then again, yeah, I, they did have that whole prophecy thing with the knife and the song of ice and fire. Let's talk about that. I'm not ready. No, I am. But that was crazy. Wait, I have the knife. Well, oh, you do. Look at you. <laughs> and I want to get I want to let Tim go on this one. He's our resident lore master, our half maester. Oh, there it is. But mine doesn't have runes because mine came out when Game of Thrones came, <laughs> came well, out. Well, we can we can Game carve those bad room. boys in there. I'm sure we can do that. We can etch them, etch them in. <laughs> I so Tim, 
your thoughts. I've given my thoughts on this in the Long Night Prophecy video because, you know, um, but uh, what do you think of this general concept of the Aegon's prophecy and the Targaryens carrying this knowledge that they've got, to, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, so I like the idea, but I feel like it it has to be, in order to make it work, it has to be murky. Like, egg, like the prop. And we've seen though that like that's normally the way prophecy works is it's it's very generalized and then a lot of people type of make their interpretations of it and then they be like oh well this is obviously about me because of like their own illusions of grandeur that's how I always felt like happened with Rhaegar for example until he's like oh this is obviously about me oh no wait this is obviously about my son the details are but the, the problem with the prophecy is that the details are so generalized that it can literally be about almost every anyone so let me so ask you did when when Viserys had the dream about his son with a crown now there's it would seem like a dual meaning like one the crown represents like the knives that cut Emma because crowns are connected to killing in a song of ice and fire explicitly to crown her is to kill her was said about Marcella the throne is a is a box is a rolling ball of knives it's that's the whole point of being born with, oh, yeah. and that's how Emma takes it. Like, oh, a kid with a crown—that sounds painful. So that's obviously yeah. foreshadowing. But the kid that Viserys is placing on the Iron Throne would ultimately—it's going to be Aegon the Second. Um, so he's misinterpreting his own dream in a couple ways, isn't he? I was thinking, was he seeing John or Daenerys? Could be. What and he thought he it was saying? his son, and it, was, and it wasn't. It was just someone of his line. But, I mean, his son does sit on the throne, so it could be right. Aegon II. For a time. But he was also said all the dragons roared as one in his that, dream. And that sounds like the war. It sounds like the dragons fighting to me. Okay, so maybe it is Aegon too. It's That's Aegon how I looked then. at it. So, like that's that's what I was getting at. Like maybe it's Aegon too. Maybe it's John. Like it's so up in the air. It's all up for interpretation, and it's people coming to assumptions of like, okay, well it's this, and then them kind of like just forcing it to make it be that. But that's the thing, and I think that's like the biggest problem the Targaryens have always had is that they're. It's not the fact that they're having these prophetic dreams. It's the fact that they're trying to force prophecy to fit their narrative. That's the problem. And that's always well, going to be the problem. And why didn't he name Aegon then? What's that? His heir. Why didn't he name Aegon as his heir? We then? will have to see how, because this dream is a new detail. So we'll have to see. That's a good question. I don't know. He said something else in the dream. It was the, the dragons roaring as one was the last thing. But he said something else that I remember when he was saying it, I was thinking that like, wait, that doesn't happen during the era of Dance of Dragons. So that's why I immediately started thinking it's way in the future, either John or Daenerys. What else did he say? Well, there was the, like, even the dragons roaring as one doesn't happen ever in Dance of the Dragons, does it? Well, it just depends on what that means. Like, cause they were, they that's all wonderful. were active at that time. They all fought battles at that time and they were roaring at each other. Um, or it could be, you know, um, the end of Game of Thrones when for the first time in hundreds of years, the night came alive to this, you know, the music yeah. of dragons. That's the last line of, of a Game of Thrones. So maybe that's what it's talking about. But Tim's... Put a pin in it, we'll come back. <laughs> so Tim is, Tim is making the point, though, that like, and I didn't put out my prophecy video that I was going to release this morning because I just needed a little bit of sleep. I had done so much video editing for like a week. But um, I am going to put it out next week 
And one of the points I'm making is that pro prophetic knowledge is a burden before anything else. Like it's important. So you got to do something about it, but it's confusing as hell and it's all very dire. So it puts you in this bad position. And then as soon as you try to think you might figure out what you're supposed to do and then you do it, everyone else thinks you're crazy and you can't really tell them the real reason why you're doing stuff. And that's the situation that Rhaegar was in. So somebody sent in a super chat a minute ago with a great question that I think is gonna be answered on the show. And I'm gonna go through a few. Dragonflying007, I wonder if Viserys also told Damon about Aegon's dream and the Song of Ice and Fire because he doesn't tell Rhaenyra until Rhaenyra's the heir. Damon yeah. has been the heir, but kind of by default. So you don't think you don't think so, Tim? What do you think? I, well, I'm guessing don't no. Mind also, this episode, but when we look, when we think back to the trailers and the teasers we've been given, Damon is going to drop that line about dreams didn't make us kings, dragons did. So maybe Viserys talked about it. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a point where someone is going to mention dreams to Damon because why else would Damon respond with that line? Whether I'm going to guess that that is Rhaenyra telling him about this many years down the road and that Viserys never told him and probably he doesn't find out until he marries Rhaenyra and then he's like, what? Either that or it's Viserys telling him about a different dream, just any dream, and Damon's just like, ah, dreams, whatever, you know? So Yeah, like... I, when it comes to prophecy, I take the Marwin the Mage uh, path on it, um, and and that's the thing. Like, and that's why I feel like Damon is more pragmatic in that approach when he says, like, "Well, dreams, dreams are dreams. Uh, we need, you know, we, dragons made us kings." Like, Damon's living in reality, and that's the problem with prophecy. It's like I get it. Like with Rhaegar's issue, what with prophecy was everyone wants to be the hero of their own story. No, and and when you have like illusions, I always call it like illusions of grandeur, but it's never taking the time to look back and really look at what the prophecy is and be like, okay, what are all of the different pathways that this can go? And not only that, what are the bad ways that this can go? They never want to think about the bad ways that things can go or like, hey, what if I'm wrong? Exactly. Yeah, so very good. So I think we've covered the prophecy angle. We'll obviously come back to that as we get more details of the prophecy. Um, let me catch up on Super Chats. I got a bunch. Like I said, they're going into a dock. So I'm just going to do a rapid fire here. And uh, let me hit the cough button. All right, so Ollie Reed, even knowing what happens, I cried throughout. So great comment there. It highlights the fact that even though we know what happens... This is going to be a very dramatic show to watch that's going to keep you on the edge of your seat. So in case anyone was worried about that, I was trying to reassure people that it would be that way. Um, but yes, very much so. Um, Squish, let's see, the Mighty Monarch says, in the words of the Hound, F, you know, fuck the king. Yeah, definitely some hard feelings for Viserys. That's valid. Uh, Matthew Buffington, so we don't get to hear Daenerys say air for, or Damon say air for a day, which is interesting because he does look a bit sad before the speech. It is interesting. Um, the thing is that when Viserys asked him, did you say it, he doesn't deny it. So we have to assume he said it, but we don't hear him say it. What did you guys think of that? Okay. Um, I think back to, oh, oh, sorry, Tim. All right. I was just going to say like, okay, um, th going back to the stream we did three weeks ago, the House of the Damage stream. <laughs> yes. I think the implication is Good that plug. he said it. 
And I am going to admit, because back in that stream, I had, I was very, I had vehemently defended the idea that Damon did not say it. Now, I'm going to admit, I'm, I'm always going to admit when I'm wrong, you know. <laughs> and so I think the implication is that he did say it. The thing is, though, is that since the camera cuts away and he has, it's, it's, it's very, it's going to be ambiguous because he's, sort of kind of laughing and smirking, but then he also has the same sad forlorn look. When he says it, we don't know if he says it disdainfully, if he says it snidely, or if he says it mournfully. But I think the implication is that somehow, some way he did say it. What's what we what we're not getting is the context in which he said it. So in that that same stream I was before I cut you off, Tim, I was gonna reference it. David, you said that it's possible that Damon might have said it, but in a sad, forlorn way. Like, like, all right, here's a toast to my poor nephew. He was an heir for a day. Right. Like something like that. Right. And that's what, that is what I'm leaning towards, that he, he did say it, but he said it in like an, a forlorn because way. Because his defense was we all grieve in our own way. Right. So that would make sense. Right. Yeah. And in that brothel scene, Damon was writing letters. What was he doing? He wasn't, he wasn't participating. He was at a table. So it'd be one thing if if they shot the scene with with Damon mid thrust and he's like air like something like that then it'd be like air for a day he's obviously making fun but you could tell that even though he's in a brothel which is a place that he feels comfortable he's not partaking in anything celebratory even in the scene yeah, he's, he's like very detached. I think you nailed it right? with that take nettles the chat agrees with with what you're saying here yeah that's pretty on the money and then when Viserys said did you say it he looks down because he's sad again. Like he would like, it's not like a smirk, like, well, yeah, I said it. Like there's no, there's none yeah, of that. And it's then like the next sad. thing that he goes to is like his deepest pain that he hasn't been able to talk about, which is feeling rejected by Viserys. Like 10 years, you've never made me the heir. You've always tried to keep me at arm's length. And we know that's true. We literally see Otto telling him he should be away from the city. And it's like Viserys is going back and forth there. Um, I, this is so this would be small counseling, I guess, but I really want to get into this dynamic of Otto and Viserys and Damon, because as even though Damon is edgy and extreme and stuff, I think Damon comes out pretty looking pretty good in this episode. Like um, there was a great line. Uh, uh, Viserys said the queen's been falling apart since my grandmother died. That's Alisanne. So it just tells you Alisanne was doing a lot to administer the city and to keep things running. And since she died, there has been a lack of an administrative touch on the city. Okay. Right. And so Damon is right when he says this fallen to ruin, blah, 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 blah. Now we can assume that not everybody he rounded up was necessarily guilty, but probably most of them were. Um, Damon is, we're supposed to understand that he's an effective captain of the city watch. Otto's trying to yeah. use it against him. Like his men are loyal to him. It's like, yeah, that's called leadership. Yeah. Um, and so probably Damon knows who he's going after. Now, obviously, harsh justice, medieval justice, all that stuff. Um, I'm obviously fine with gelding rapists and, you know, mur mur killing murderers is no more than what we have now. So it's not really that it's crazy. Not a it's, it's pretty standard medieval justice. So I thought Damon, well, the key element here is that Otto is driving a wedge between these two brothers. And you can really see that if Otto. I mean, if Viserys had trusted Damon and kept Damon close, Damon's behavior might have been a little different. The house would have been stronger. And when that, that line, when it's like, oh, I would have protected you 
And he's like, from who? Damon's answer was from yourself because you're weak and the people are preying on you. But it's like, from who? And I'm thinking to myself, Otto and the Maesters just murdered your wife and kid. Quite possibly. Like, that's the kind of people that Damon would protect you from. Because if Damon was his hand, he would have run Sir Otto out of King's Landing. I've been talking for a long time. You guys go ahead. No, I mean... This, I I'm riveted by this situation. And I just really think that Otto driving the wedge in between these two, this is how the war is starting. This is like one of the very first causes of the war is, is Otto doing this. Did you notice that Otto was the first one to name Rhaenyra as the heir? Because Viserys like, well, who am I going to name? Otto says Rhaenyra. No, oh, and, and he looked down like, is this when I say it? Okay, I'm ready to make my play. And then he launches his thing. It totally seems calculated to me. And then another thing that I caught, I love that Viserys said it, is um, uh, when Otto was saying like, oh, he's he, he has control of the city watch. And Viserys said, but you, you gave him that role. He wasn't good yeah. enough to be master of coin. He wasn't good enough to be master of law. You kicked him out. And I just want to say one more thing about this episode. It's almost everything that we talked about in our last stream has come to pass in this episode. We were talking about how like, yeah, Damon started yeah. off with these roles and Otto chased him out and had yeah, like the bullet cloaks. This is the moment I've been waiting for because this is when I was watching the episode, I was like formulating a lot of these thoughts and I'm like, so permission to go off on Otto Hightower right now? Absolutely. Okay. And then I'll get back to the super chats. I said I was going through, but yes, go ahead, Tim. And then I'll get back to okay. the uh, super chats, guys. Thank you. So again, admitting to things that I was wrong about in the Damon stream, like I had said, maybe Damon wasn't cut out for the roles. And it seems like, no, the implication I got from this is that Damon actually was doing a pretty good job as master of law and master coin. The problem is always Otto. It didn't matter what position Damon had, Otto was always going to have a problem with it. Like, like you said, like yeah. he was master of coin. You said he's a spendthrift. You said he was master of law. You said he's a tyrant. It's like, that's the thing. It doesn't matter. No matter what position he's going to have, Otto's going to have a problem with it. I, I had this thought in my head where I was thinking back to the original show when Tyrion was talking about how he was put in charge of all the, about the drainage systems in Casterly Rock. I was thinking like Otto Hightower is such is such a a fuckhead that they could have had Damon be in charge of all the drainage in King's Landing. Damon would have fresh water flowing throughout those pipes, and Otto Hightower would be like the guy going, "Well, there was a fucking hair in my cup, so he sucks at it." Exactly. <laughs> no, Otto. Like I, I looked at my man. And I was like, um. So Otto is the Picel character. Like, don't take him seriously. I hate him. He was like, why? And I'm like, you, you're going to see. He's nothing but a lick spittle. He's going to change his mind on every single thing. And no, I love how they presented Otto because I feel like the actor is exactly how I imagined him in the books. I love it. I love a good villain. Dave, uh, Dave you're muted. Thank I thought you. that was me. I was like, thank you. No, I was muted. Yes. Um, uh, sometimes I like to do a mime routine. No, um, it was one, I think it was uh, Millie Alcock and Matt Smith, and they were asking, like, who would you not want to fight or who would you avoid or something like that? And somebody said, like, Reese Ifans, the actor that plays Otto, is like, he's creepy or something like that. Like, so you can see that the actor definitely has this slow drawl that's like, are you even alive, dude? Like, are you necromanced or something? Like, I mean, it's very, it, people compared him to Tywin because of some of the roles, but the energy is more Picel. I totally agree 
low energy Tywin. Uh, he's been thrown around. But yeah, how, wear your mother's dress. Yeah, I was just about to say, can we talk about Otto the pimp? Otto the little finger pimp? <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, permission to go off, I guess. <laughs> oh, I was so surprised. Oh, my we need God. an auto segment. I, I'm, I'm already seeing we need a weekly auto segment. Go ahead, Nettles. I have been saying for the longest that Allison is a hoe, that Allison sucked off King Jaharis. But it was always just, I had nothing to go off of. It was just, it was always just the text or whatever, loosely implying it. But I feel like Otto gave me the confidence to say this with confidence, Allison is a hoe because of her dad. Especially before that, Otto was talking about, oh, my wife just died. And he was like acting like, pretending like he was gonna, he stood up. And I'm like, what are you gonna do to Damon? Not a damn thing, sit back down when Damon said your wife's dead, right? You could tell that Otto does not even care about his wife because when he told Allison to go and put on that dress, he was still writing. He was like, oh, by the way, put on your mother's dress. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. Just the, to, to show you how fake the outrage was at the council meeting. That's, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. That's very skillful storytelling uh, right there. Nice, nice observation. And the worst kind of pimp because he pimps out his daughter. I don't have a problem with a pimp if you're gonna pimp out strangers. <clears throat> As long as everything is consent, sex work should be legalized. Yes, we're we're pro uh, pro sex work here, as long as there are protections and, and all that stuff. But yeah, um, pimping out your child is definitely not. Uh, nobody's in favor of that. For the second time. What's that? For the second time, because the first time was Jaharis. The second time. Potentially was so. Potentially so. And I pointed that out in the Allison villain video. Is that in the Fire and Blood canon? That's where we meet Allison. She's 14 and she's reading to the old king and bathing and dressing him until she's 16 and he dies. So for a year and a half or more, um, yeah, very suspicious. Why does and Otto- Jaharis is calling her the name of women that he loved in his senile, like dying days. So He's calling her all types of names. So they were close and yeah. So I don't know if they'll go back to explore that situation but that is why i started off making the case that people should slow down on calling allison to every dirty name in the book especially when she's younger here in the story because just consider the situation that she's put in again fire and blood's not going to tell you what anybody's personality is really like except for they tell you how awful damon is over and over but like you don't know anything about who allison was and you can't assume she's a bad person look at the situation she's thrown in my comment on Allison, and one of the things that stood out to me the first time I watched it, was the way that she was actually kind to King Viserys. She's been put in this awful situation by her dad, okay? And she brings the book, whatever, whatever. But then she has this moment where she stops and she, before she starts reading, and she's like, you know, when my mom died, which she's generally heard about, all I wanted was for somebody to say, I'm sorry for what happened to you. And she stops and says, I'm sorry for what happened to you. And you could tell that that really resonated with Viserys. And to me, that was really impressive because if you're Allison in that situation, how nervous are you? Like, you've gotta be so fucking nervous. You've just been put between your dad and the king, the two most powerful men in the realm. They're both like 50 or something. And you're 18, 16, whatever she's supposed to be, and thrown in this situation and Viserys has just suffered the loss of his family, and you know your dad has these weird implications. And what does she manage to do? 
but see that Viserys is actually a broken man in front of her and offers some real genuine empathy. And maybe I'm giving her too much credit, but that's what I saw. And to me, that was I thought that was an interesting moment. Um, and it's an interesting way to start building a connection between them because when, when she comes to the door, it's so awkward. It's like, this is not a good match. She's not going to seduce him. She's so much younger. They don't look like a pair. But then it's like you got to start somewhere because we know they eventually get married. We don't know that they fall in love, but at least to get married, there needs to be something, some sort of rapport connection that yeah. gets built. And so they've started building it with that moment. I thought it was touching, but whatever. I'm I, I'm being accused of being pro Alicent, uh, but you David, know. if you were in the hood, you would get played. If I was in the hood, what? <laughs> you would get played. Oh, I'm a sucker. There's no question. I that was not convincing. Let's circle back to Sansa. <laughs> Well, that's why I have you here, Nettles. <laughs> Let's circle back to Sansa. And keep I it real. Keep, go ahead. Fan. Keep it real for me. When Sansa's, you know, when the Red Wedding happened, what did Sansa say? She was like, I just want everyone to leave me the fuck alone. Because when you have someone close to you die, that is what you want. Allison said, oh, I just want people to say I'm sorry for your loss. What? Like, not to, like, bring it down. <laughs> my, my father died when I was eight. And I'm sorry for your loss was the worst thing. Like, cause it's like, why are you sorry? Did you kill him? Like, what's going on? Like, even at eight, I was like, what are you guys sorry for? Cause I know that it was just like the thing that you say. So she said the most obvious, empty, hor like just overplayed yeah, she, thing ever. And it seemed like she was coached. It, that seemed like a coach thing. Like, oh, just say something polite. And even Viserys, he was just like, all right, I'm working on my model because, you know. I thought he looked affected by it. To me, I thought they were trying to show us that he that he appreciated it, but he's a sucker too. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Nettles. I appreciate the different perspective. <laughs> so yeah, some people. Yeah. It's interesting that you could have. Um, and yes, I have Minty for protection. Minty is is like a friggin', <laughs> she's like a Valkyrie dude. So she's got my back. Don't worry, guys. I'm I was wandering around alone in the world, just like like a lost little lamb. I completely was, and. And I do need people looking out after me. I'm a, I'm a pure, genuine soul, man. I, I'm, I'm sure I bring my whole personality here. I mean, you're in my living room. You know, I don't hold it back. But so, Tim, you didn't buy it either, huh? Uh, when it comes to Allison, it's like, it's really awkward because this is a kid. This is a kid. Like at at this at this stage in time, this is still a kid being thrown into a very awkward situation, being pressured by her father, and. Like I think of like the scene at the joust when uh, Kristen Cole asked for her, or no, not not Kristen. When Damon asked for her favor, and then when she goes to grab the flower, the what are they called? Like what are those flowers? Is it a the wreath? favor? The favor. Oh, yeah, it's favor. it's a wreath, but they call it the favor. Yeah, yeah. and that was yeah, pretty was, funny. Damon stick favor, just like, that that look he gives her. Like don't like you better not fucking do it. But then she goes and gives Damon her favor, and I love. I love how much of a petulant shit Damon is to Otto because just yes. just fuck Otto Hightower. Like, I can't say that enough. Well, it's on that we agree. On that we agree. I'm going to still go ahead and say that that was genuine and that that was, like, genuinely empathetic by Alicent. Um, until she proves me wrong, I think, I think they're playing her as a good-hearted person who's trying to do her best, but... I like that there's that there's room to disagree about it. Um, I think that means that it's it's well written. I'll agree with you that she was nervous. We saw her. We saw her. Um, her nails. Mm -hmm. She has anxiety. Yeah. Um, but I will agree with you that she was nervous to go to Viserys. 
but I just feel like she's nervous because when you're coached to do something versus doing it of your own free will, you're going to be nervous. And it's it not right? something that she would do of her own free will. It was completely right. awkward for her. She had no rapport with Viserys to be the one like comforting him. So, yeah. But at the same yeah. time, there also wasn't really anybody to comfort him. So there was a genuine void there that Otto maneuvered his chess piece, I mean, daughter, into. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we definitely need it. We're going to need an Otto watch segment. For sure. Like, who's watching the the Watchtower? Watching the Watchtower. That'll be the segment. Yes. There it is. So Best comic at, book ever, but yeah. yeah. Send a raven to Old Town. I think we're going to be hearing a lot of that. Like, almost every scene, Otto's just going to send a raven to Old Town. I also like that we're periodically going to be seeing Otto whisper to Viserys, and we might not even know what Otto is saying, just to give us that idea that, like, there's constantly, like, this going on. So... Mm-hmm. Um, let's what, go. What did you guys think? Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead, Nettles. Go ahead. I was gonna think. I was gonna say really quick. What did you guys think about the fact that while Emma was giving birth, there was a joust? Like, why wasn't Viserys by her side? Like, isn't that weird or no? So or I, I think that maybe they expected the labor to go longer. But when you've had a lot of kids, usually the labor doesn't last as long. So I don't know. I mean, I guess he announced it like she had just started her labors. So it's right. like maybe they expected it to go on longer. I don't know what the customs are. Now, in the Game of Thrones, some there's like Robert was never with Cersei when she gave birth. He always went hunting and came back to find the kid already there. So I think it's like maybe supposed to be reflective to be of the person, you know, perhaps. Yeah. So okay. yeah, I think like, Viserys kind of just wants to hope for the best and take and take part in the spectacle and and because because that's what Sarah's thing is he he wants to be happy fun time king he wants he wants the good times to continue he doesn't want to stop and dwell and ever really put into th- like he never wants to think of what the wrong thing that could happen he's like he's like the worst kind of optimist at times like to like well i call him the ostrich king yeah for sure um so let me go back to the nimble doc i've got so many super chats that i haven't caught um and then we'll get to our hero and villain of the week which is a very exciting segment um let's see here aj cayenne says do you think rhaenyra being named later will make uh sympathize with the green party and alicent more um no i think the main change of of rhaenyra being named the heir later is to help us understand rhaenyra's psychology when we meet her She's not expected to be the heir. And she even says, I hope Viserys gets a son. She's like, she's not ambitious at that point. She's more like an Arya character. I would rather be a knight. I'd rather ride my dragon. I'd rather, Mm -hmm. she doesn't have, and potentially, and I mentioned this before, that could be covering up for the pain of feeling rejected by her father to be like, oh, well, I don't care anyway. I'd just rather ride a dragon. There could be some of that. But the point is, it's only here at this point of 14 or 16 or whatever she is that the thing has shifted and now she's the heir and her her whole psychology has to change because now she's like, oh, I'm going to be sitting on the throne eventually instead of just having a completely different life. So I think it's mostly about Rhaenyra. I don't know that it makes us more or less sympathetic with the Greens myself. Either of you like, have anything um, to add on that? Or? Yeah, on, on that note, um, so 
I'm paraphrasing the line because I can't remember it word for word. But when they're talking about the idea of Damon sitting the throne and Otto Hightower and Viserys says, like, Damon doesn't have the patience to be king. And then Otto Hightower says, like, doesn't matter if he has patience or not. Nobody's going to give up the idea of absolute power. Now, he's saying that in reference to Damon. But when reality, it seems like, no, this is actually talking about Rhaenyra when she starts to get the idea of being the queen and that's when we're going to see this idea this ideological shift where she's going to where the i don't care attitude's going to go away and then she's going to fully embrace the idea of being the queen i think it applies to everybody that's all i would add it's definitely rhaenyra in that episode um but also to otto himself and all of these people essentially but yeah this is might be off topic but what about the opening scene with damon on the throne is that Treason? Hold on. Him sitting on the throne? I'm just going to take care of this person. Nobody else can ban Super Chat except for me, Morgan Jameson. See you later, buddy. Thanks for humiliating yourself on my live stream. That was a weird choice to make, but it's the way you went. <laughs> uh, what were you saying, Nettles? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is that treason for Damon to sit on the throne? Um, it could be construed as such if Viserys wanted to. Um, that is definitely, you could tell from the reaction of the Kingsguard that it was like at least very inappropriate at the least, you know. Um, yeah, so it's basically putting your head on the chopping block for the king and, and letting him decide whether he feels like executing you for that. That's very, yeah, it's. That was crazy. I have yeah. never seen that before. A great like, introduction oh. to him too. That was a great scene. Um, so look, uh, gosh, so much to talk about. Let me just mow through a couple of these. We're going to do scene of the week too. Um, that was, that was definitely a contender. Uh, Aries says, I wish we would have seen a Balerion flashback. Sorry, Balerion flashback. Do you think we might see one later in the series? Yes. I think there's still room to do it. Um, and if we're going to explore Viserys' dreams, then potentially, um, I think it's possible, but not, not probable. I'd put it like 30% maybe. Um, Let's see here. Roderick Spence. There's uh oh, no, I read that one. There's certainly precedence of the C-section through Alyssa Valarion, but why the, why didn't they knock her out or at least explain what was happening? Um, so I they know. had said that they had already given her as much of the milk of the poppy as they could and that it would uh, risk the child's life to give her more. So that's why. And then not giving her a choice. We talked about that. Yeah, that's. It was meant to show that women don't have a choice ultimately, but you, you can certainly, uh, that's what made it, you know, messed up, like we said. Um, okay, got some of these, got some of these. I'm just scrolling through here. Um, uh, Keisha, uh, yeah, Kishav says, love how they kept switching between the tourney and the labor. Despite both being gore, I was perfectly fine watching a guy's head getting battered, but got squeamish during the labor, truly a battlefield. And I do think that that was part of the point of juxtaposing that is to say, hey, you guys see this kind of violence. And obviously it's more than just raw violence. Like it's less sad, to see, like knights are choosing to enter into a attorney where they might get killed. So that's not the same as a woman being held down while all of that happened, obviously. Um, but at the same time, as far as what we see and consume, it's like, yes, if we're going to call them both battlefields, that's what I said at the opening. We kind of have to show what that means or else it's just something that you say and it becomes trite. Um, Uniquely Stellar says, 
Inside the episode touched on timing the birth with Kristen Cole's fight. Also, this is what women suffered at the hands of men. Yeah, I did notice that it was Kristen and Damon fighting during the, the, the pinnacle moment because obviously Damon and Kristen is a big rivalry that drives this whole thing. That was the point of that, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Gabe the Griffin uh, says, uh, Nan and I were absolutely glued to the screen. I'm in agreement with Girl Nettles. Pronounce it how you want. Um, time for sleeps, though. Love you, family. Right on, Gabe. Yeah, some of our East Coasters, it's getting late for them. Um, and Europe is watching this tomorrow, unless you're completely insane or so hyped that you can't go to sleep. The Hash Knight Squisher for four months says, Rhaenyra's dragon was as golden as I always knew it was. I've always felt like the maesters portrayed Cyrax as yellow to downplay her compared to Sunfire. Hey, that's interesting. So I noticed that they called... Um, the Kingsguard says that golden beast. And I was like, ooh, the nerds are going to get angry on Twitter because Cyrax is yellow. Cyrax! Cyrax! It's Cyrax, Dave! And he's yellow, not gold. Is that right, Cleo? This is the nerd rage, see? Okay. Look at the wing! Oh my gosh, Cleo! Oh yeah, Showing no, off. she... Yeah. Touchdown, girl! Touchdown! That's right, it's a touchdown. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Good girl. That's right. So, um... Yeah, that's an interesting theory that 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 Cyrax was called yellow, and then and then Sunfire's the most beautiful dragon who ever lived. It's all like hyperbolic. Like that's cool. That's interesting. What do you think of that? We'll see. I I, I don't think anything of it until I see Sunfire, by by comparison. I was gonna say the same thing. Like I need to see Sunfire on screen to really compare. And uh, Carl Karsnug makes a good. Uh, he's mentioning that. You know, boys also have a, d- a duty to die for the realm, um, and, and it's just kind of the same for women. So, yeah, you definitely could make that comparison. And I think Martin spends a lot of time uh, writing about the sorrow of knights who are sent off to war, basically, you know, infantrymen like chaff, like wheat to the, to the harvest, lambs to the slaughter, all these various metaphors used. The broken man speech is entirely dedicated to the cost of war, even when you don't die. So... Yeah, it's not like it's not a really an overly gendered thing. Um, it's a it's part of medieval life. It's a part of like how people are using power, who's on top in power structures, and uh, sort of the grist. I, I pointed out that uh, the medieval society takes children as soon as they hit puberty, male and female, and throws them into these political marriages and and with expectations and stuff and the childhood is gone and they basically they're used as pawns to various degrees so there's a lot of grist mills that grind people up here and and it's definitely the boys too and of course later on in the story when we get to the war there'll be plenty of deaths to mourn um there too i think that's the more obvious thing so they're they're giving you the you know we're talking about this other thing first but yes definitely carl that's worth pointing out um let's see and my chat, King Viserys says the dragons caused the doom. I saw, I saw you say that a couple times. So I think he's mostly talking about the Valerians' kind of lust for power, the way that they okay. used the dragons. It's not like the dragons blew up the volcanoes, but it's just kind of like we have to be careful with these dragons and the power that they bring because the Valerians blew themselves up somehow. I, I think that was the point of yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that the dragons uh, caused the doom. Yeah, well, he mentioned when he was talking about Valeria and, and just the idea that the dragons are dangerous and stuff, and you, uh, a Targaryen king has to know that. The thing they have to know is how dangerous dragons are, and part of that was, yeah, Valeria. So 
The videos I did this week are looking pretty on the money, weren't they? Talked yes. about Doom and Lizard Babies. And by the way, we did get Emma saying, I wouldn't be surprised if I actually had a dragon. <laughs> that was awesome, wasn't it? Hmm. I mean, awesome if you like lizard people and stuff. Um, lizard people, yeah. Yeah. And guys, if you don't, I mean, there's 1,200 people in the chat right now, so I don't know how many people are seeing my videos, but I, if you're wondering about the lizard people thing, I did do a video this week about lizard people. So uh, many, many funny memes were had. Continuing on with the Super Chats, Michael David says, guys, that episode was giving 10 out of 10. Please tell me that the Long Night King, uh, the Long Night King uh, prophecy wasn't talking about episode three in season eight. You guys are awesome. So happy I'm catching you live. So this is kind of a thing where we're almost throwing shade at Game of Thrones here, aren't we? Because Game of Thrones completely minimized the prince that was promised, Azor Ahai, Jon's dragon blood. None of that fucking mattered. It was only a political tool to undermine Daenerys' claim at the end right. of it. That's the only way right. they used it. Arya's the one who killed the Night King. So we're down to like, well, Jon and Danny were kind of important. They were there too, doing stuff. So that's, that's not the fulfillment of a goddamn prophecy. John, like, yeah. almost getting to the Night King, but then there's just too many whites in the way, and he can't get there, and he has to yell at the Ice Dragon instead until Arya... Like, that's... Let's not go back there, okay? No, but no, the no. point is, like, it's almost like House of the Dragon is acting like that didn't happen, and we're going back to the book canon here. And this foreshadowing yeah. is about what John and Danny are going to do at the end of the books. Am I right? You froze for a second. Are you with me now? Okay. You're there. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Am I right? Am I right? You're right. You're okay. right. Yeah, you're right. Exactly cool. what I was thinking. I mean, it's, it's very like, encouraging. Oh, it's very right hopeful. We're, yeah. we're moving on, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just saying, like, uh, if you've been on Twitter and you see all the blue check marks who call themselves journalists up in an uproar because, like, angry that the show isn't going to hold their hand. Like, we're going to get Rainies and Rainier. We're going to have the similar sounding names. We're not going to do this uh, uh, Asha becomes Yara Asha. differentiate. It's like, no, you you need to actually pay attention. Like, sorry, you have to pay attention. Like, and 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 I think like I I like what George said like he get like no you need to give credit to the audience that they're going to be smart enough to know what's going on like that's and that's right. the problem with yeah. so much modern television is quit dumbing it down like you need to have faith that people are gonna that people are gonna recognize things that they'll ca that they'll catch on you need to have the faith in them like maybe they won't get it right away but they'll figure they'll figure it out like nothing we don't have to keep dumbing everything down just to try and get all the casual viewers on board it seems like they're following through with that aren't they um they still gave you enough like they said everyone's names they said okay this is before Daenerys but other than that yeah, yeah. this feels like we're back to treating the viewers like adults again mm -hmm. I love it I'm so here for it so going back to that scene um what we were talking about um with the cuts between Emma giving birth and the joust, what I was thinking is like, only death can pay for life. And even though I know the outcome, I know about air for a day, I was hoping that if there was a change, it was like all those deaths on the jousting field would pay for um, Emma's child to be born. But of course, I was a sucker. No, I, I, I do think um, it's thematically resonant. I will say that. You were not supposed to, like, obviously no one's doing a blood magic thing, but you you do see how, like, 
many things are sacrificed just so Viserys can create an heir. That that was the vibe of it. And and Corlys and Rhaenys were sitting there saying, "Is this the best way to celebrate, you know, the birth of the new king? Really, with a display of casual wanton mm -hmm. violence? Like, oh, that was very loved that perspective. Hashtag Team Small Folk. Thank you, Rhaenys and Corlys. We're gonna like them, aren't we? They're gonna be like. We're gonna like them. Yeah. They're gonna be like our grounding, like our root. Like everything else is crazy and friggin' insane. We have those two at least, right? So. But Corlys is already a flip-flopper, though. We already saw that he said Damon, then he was like, oh, wait, Rhaenyra, and then he was like... So, it's interesting. He's going to be great, I feel He's like. He's pro-Damon right now, it seems. Yeah, for sure. He stuck up for Damon in the small council. Like, hey, we put him in charge because we wanted him to, like, improve shit, and he's improving shit. Like, what are you... What is the problem here? And he did it. <laughs> I... Shout out to the gold cloaks. Like, how they came out, I mean... Yeah, they were chopping off hands, but the way they just came out in formation, I was so impressed. I was like, this is the militia I want protecting me and mine. Okay, so we like, gotta stop and do scene of the week right now. I'm I'm just I'm declaring it. It's not even on the damn list. I I think we the Emma Aaron scene has to almost be set aside. It is the scene of the week. I don't think you could pick anything else that is so intense that it's almost on its own thing. So yeah. after that, after that just to give her the respect, okay? <laughs> that, that, that scene, there can't be any, but like after that, I thought that the Damon, Prince of the City, gold cloak crackdown scene flowing right into the small council where Damon is then making his case to Otto was such a good one-two punch because when he started the raid, you're like, this is horrible police violence. This is the worst kind of enforcement of the law possible. And then as it goes on, they're saying, yep, rapist, and they're chopping it off. It's like, okay, well, fuck the rapist, you know? And then you get to the small council, and he's like, the city's lawless, and many people find it terrifying. You'd know that if you got out of your ivory tower. And you're like, ooh, he's right about that. It's like a bunch of nobilities coming to the city. We wouldn't want their pockets to get picked now, would we? And it's like, ooh, he's got him again. So bam, bam, down goes Sir Otto. <laughs> so, like, how about that was my scene of the week. What did you guys think? Tim, you go first. Uh, for me, it's up to like, because it's a constant, every, every for, like, I, I enjoyed every scene of Otto Hightower getting smacked down from, from the one you just described to then to when he picks his son as his first opponent, when he asks for his daughter's favor, like every scene where Damon just gets to just like jam his elbow in Otto Hightower's ribs. Those were my favorite ones because, and it just goes to show, like, again, like, all, every problem that Otto Hightower has is, like, of its own making. It's it's that meme, like, congrats, you played yourself. Because he keeps jockeying Damon to these different positions, but then having a problem with it. Because his problem is simply Damon. That Damon exists, right, yeah. That Damon yeah. exists, that's that's it. As, if, if, as long as Damon breathes, Otto Hightower will never be happy. And by the way, I am pro due process. Don't like take me the wrong way. I thought the scene was great. Obviously, it's very questionable <laughs> rounding up all I mean, those people. That guy, <laughs> right before they castrate that guy, he thwarts. <laughs> I was like, I actually had to like double back. I'm like, did he just, was there a fart sound? Like he, he fucking farted. But let's, <laughs> like, let's, are we adding a little bit of comedy to this right before he gets his balls chopped off? <laughs> it, 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 um, yeah, maybe that was like a nervous fart. Um, now, there was somebody that commented, somebody left a great comment this morning on my thing that was like, uh, Rhaenyra farts and you guys talk about it for five hours, you know? And uh, I, I appreciated that. Oh, well, that's what we do on YouTube. Obviously, that's why it was a hilarious comment. But um, 
I, I, I retweeted, I screen capped it and tweeted it. and was like, now I want to make a picture of like a, a video with a red arrow pointing at Rainier's ass to be like, there's the fart, circle, circle, arrow, arrow. But uh, anyways. It's brown, it's green. <laughs> anyway, so scene of the week. Tim, what was your scene of the week? Uh, yeah, my scene of the week is going to go to uh, Damon and the gold cloaks dispense it, like bringing out the the king's justice, but in a very broad way. Okay, so you're I with think, me. You're with me on that one. So Nettles, what was your scene of the week then? For me, it was when the lords like bowed and proclaimed that Rhaenyra would be the heir. Because in the books, I imagined it being like Viserys saying, but Rhaenyra is the heir. Do you guys agree? And everyone's like, I and the bow and they bow. But in this show, they showed that these guys moved their lips and said, I, I, like they declared it, they made an oath. And they, and they only showed like, I think two, but we're supposed to assume that one by one, every Lord of the region said with their mouth that they would follow Rhaenyra. And I think that it's like a sleeper scene because it's not, it's, it's, you know, there's no blood, you know, yeah, but and like that's, that sets up my argument for team black. So like I thought that the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tim. I was just gonna say, like, it's it's because like they're interspersing as the lords are 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 making this oath. They intersperse that with other scenes of like Rhaenyra kind of being uh, her getting her thoughts on it, um, and then as as it goes on, like the 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 voices get lower as the music intensifies, and we get see more of Rhaenyra's uh, point of view of things. But if I remember correctly, we get Corlys makes his oath uh Otto the Lord Hightower Otto's brother um makes his Damon? oath Rick Rickard Lord Rickard I think it's Rickard Stark or Rickard yeah Stark? I think it's Rickard it but, uh... but there was a, it was Corliss a Hightower a Stark and Baratheon I distinctly remember remember those making their oath to Rhaenyra so I thought that the show was using juxtaposition very well consistently we talked about the joust and the childbirth. During the scene of Rhaenyra getting crowned, not only did we see her getting ready, but they also started cutting in the scene with her and Viserys continuing their conversation in front of the Balerion skull about the responsibilities of being king. And so right. all of that is... It's really nice, because when you see her standing in front of the throne and all the lords gathered, you appreciate the responsibility that they're talking about in the other scene in private. So again, they're showing you things not just to save time, because we have to cover a lot of ground, but because they want you to think about the meaning and the, implica the implication of one scene on the other. Uh, and again, this is a sign of good storytelling, which is a major thing that we're all kind of like, you know, we're a little bit burned here. Once burned, twice shy. Is that the name of the, of the like, like we, we're a little nervous. Like George hasn't always chosen the best people to work with. Shout out to Linda on Linda Antonson, whose bigotry is all over Twitter. It's absolutely disgusting. She blocked me today, by the way, on Twitter. What? Yes. I, uh, You're famous. I, 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 I let her know that it you was, in it. fact, um, the height of hubris and egomania to think that she knows better than George R. R. Martin what fits the world, quote-unquote. Because George, see, he's involved in the show, thinks that Black Valerians are pretty cool, and uh, Linda thinks that they don't work. So that's weird, because Linda didn't write the Song of Ice and Fire last time I checked. So I let her know that. She did not appreciate it. And in case you didn't know, 
I'm sorry to break it to you that Linda Antonson is not a very nice person and her views are rather distasteful, but you can check that out and be your own judge on Twitter if you want to. She is very public about her opinions about all of this. So I am not doxing anyone like Linda Antonson co-wrote The World of Ice and Fire. Um, I got nothing against Elio, her husband, um, but she has she has been a menace online for a long time. So if you didn't know, I'm sorry to, to let you know, but um, I will stand behind that assessment. And again, you can judge for yourself online uh and and tell me if i'm wrong but uh anyways so that's that's that so i'm sorry i didn't know that was coming but <laughs> anyways i do this stuff is always on the tip of my tongue because i read all my comments um me and minty read them all i sort through them and i'll be damned if like there isn't three or four a day that just make me just like you know on the coreless video so it's like that's it's really? a small they're all well, yeah because people are finding my channel a lot right now which is oh, great. Okay. Obviously, thank you guys. My channel's growing. Subs are through the roof. Videos are doing awesome. Um, that's what. That's why I have the energy to put out so much content. And I'm fired up about it. Obviously, um, but with that comes yes, exposure to new people. And there's, you know, I've sometimes it's just like, well, I've talked about it enough. Anyways, let's move on. But um, I, all I'll say is they're a very small minority. They they try to be as vocal as they can, and their comments stick out because they're so awful. That's really what it is, comes down to, but um, yeah. So in any case, I usually delete those so that my comment sections on my videos are like friendly places to hang out. You know, you go there to leave a comment, read a comment, you're not gonna be assaulted with like, oh my God, you know, bleach my eyes out kind of kind of stuff. So I, I usually try to get rid of those. Um, anyways, uh, sorry, let's get back on the rails here with some of these super chats. Um, let's see, Michael David, uh, no, I read that one. Um, let's see here. Trey Diaz says, I'm surprised King Viserys was the standout for me. The acting of Patty Considine was amazing. Um, I think that after <sighs> tough, I mean, Damon stole the, Matt Smith's Damon is so powerful. It's obviously very tough to compete with. Um, but at the same time, yeah, the, the Viserys, he had some amazing scenes. He really did. Anything no, to yeah. add, or is it just, yeah, I mean, agreement on that? I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, like I said, I'm, I'm an actor. I've acted since I was nine. I went to art school, arts middle school, arts high school, everything like that. Honestly, Viserys would have won, like, if we used to give um, kind of like awards out for the best actor of the day or in the scene or whatever, it, it would have been Patty. It would have been Viserys because just his eyes. Just his eyes. And then he in the small council, eyes. like when he broke, Otto's pushing him and pushing him. And then all of a sudden he's pushed him to, to Tim's point, Otto, you know, making his own problems worse. He like pushes him and then he just breaks and you can see the rage there. Like, I think that's what George was talking about when he said Patty's Viserys is a, just a stronger character, even though he is ultimately a weak king who, who doesn't do enough and just tries to hold everything together with well-wishing. Um, and everything I've said about him not claiming a dragon and all that stuff, he still has a lot of fire and he still has some strength. And I love how they're they're playing it. So yeah, um, bravo. You know, Patty's gonna make me like Viserys. I never liked Viserys. I mean, I didn't hate Viserys, but it was just kind of like, let me just read through this so I can get to Damon. Let me read through this so I can get to Nettles. But like, Patty is bringing Viserys to life, and he's gonna be. He's one of those sleeper characters that I'm gonna fall in love with. Yeah, it's, it's a great character. Again, saying someone's a great character is not the same as saying I approve all of their actions or whatever, whatever. No. But 
It's yeah. definitely a great character, and we're now we're we're getting in his feelings. Like we're we're, we're feeling what he's feeling. We're feeling the turmoil. Um, you know, we go from basically being ready to kill him after the Emma scene, like fuck King Viserys, and then all of a sudden in the small council scene, we're taking his side again because it's like, yeah, leave him alone. His wife just died. God. So yeah. is this the, was that right after the funeral? It was. When it was like, by the way, right after. This is Right. It was that. It was the night of. Yeah, it was before the funeral. It couldn't wait. No, no. That's that's yeah. Otto is literally that guy. Yeah, it couldn't wait. In Otto's defense, I guess he he's really scared of Damon, and he felt like now that you don't have a wife, Damon is going to kill you and take the throne. So I could, I can put myself in people's shoes. So I can see why Otto wanted to get it done. But damn. So, okay, so um, going forward here, I am going to get these super chats. Uh, Desmond says, I think it was the first Targ funeral that we've seen. Definitely the first proper Targaryen funeral. Um, oh, and I almost brought that up when you were voting on Dragon of the Week. Ah, yes, Syrax was in that scene too. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I voted for Syrax just because it's so easy to give it to Craxies every week. Craxies is the best boy. I mean, he's got a big long neck and he's got a grinning wolf face. Like, <sighs> <laughs> There's my Craxies look. This is the best boy right here. This is the best boy. <laughs> all, all, well, Cleo's getting riled up. She's like, hey, what about me? Oh, dang. <laughs> Cleo Raxies. Cleo's like, I'm real. <laughs> uh, so um, then we've got, uh, moving on, Crimson Templar. Seven months, Squish, remember, the prophecy is going to get lost, muddled because of the dance. The chain of communication from king to heir is going to get broken. I, That seems like a good prediction um, we've always got Baylor the Blessed to burn whatever survives down to his day, of course. Um, but I do think that, yeah, you wonder, like, without spoiling how this is going to end, it's like a lot of these characters are going to die suddenly or tragically. So does this prophecy get related down to the people in charge at the end? That's a very good question. Possibly not. <clears throat> and that would make the tragedy bigger, right? Um but uh, I don't know. There'll be a scroll yeah. left in the library for Rhaegar to find, obviously. So, um, and Duncan, and in the Duncan Egg story, we see Egg talking about King Aerys reading scrolls of prophecy and, and talking about dreams. And Bloodraven says Targaryens have been dreaming, having prophetic dreams since before the conquest. So I think that some amount of knowledge does survive past the dance. But we'll have to keep our eye on that. That you know, the knife is still around. Can I insert a quick theory here? Yeah. Do you think that the riders of the black dragons are the ones with the dreams? Because Viserys says, okay, in that scene with- Damon the um, Fiddler, Rhaenyra. or John the Fiddler, and um, also uh, Darren the Drunkard. Right, but I mean- And Maester Aemon. Viserys says that, well, and the Aaron ones that have Yeah. Because he says that Aaron, or Aaron, Aegon had, you know, the dream about the White Walkers. Viserys says he has a dream. He has the same dragon as as Aeon and then we know that Daenerys has these dreams. And like maybe maybe the big maybe it's the big picture dreams. Because I think there's a connection between um this, just going off of season, uh this first episode, it seemed like they were, they were drawing a big connection between Aegon and Viserys. And the only connection I could see is Balerion. Well I think it's just that the king is the heir to the prophetic knowledge. I think that's right. what it is. It's the secret. It's the knowledge that's the burden. But Viserys did have a dream about his son sitting the throne. Well, I think that's 
good because um, he doesn't have a dragon, so it makes him more like a Targaryen. He's not just some dude anymore, wearing a wig. Anymore, you know? he did have a dragon. He doesn't have a dragon anymore. Right. There's a big dis- distinction. Right. Well, he doesn't <laughs> have one now. So Now, yeah. When we think of Viserys as a dragon rider just because he rode Balerion the Black Dread once. Well, he I'm would always, like us to think that. I, I am. I, I always want to like, asterisk, asterisk. You need to, like. Oh, wait, Tim. Viserys it's like the Lakers it, bubble chip. That's what it is. It's the bubble chip. That. But did it, does it. Does it explicitly say that he only rode him once? One time. And he was going to fly him to Dragonstone, but he didn't think he could make it. And so they went three times around the city and landed, and that was it. Is it once that the people saw or just once forever? Just once. So then how did he claim him then? He claimed him when he rode him. That's how you claim? Yeah, that's it's not official unless you can get on the back and ride the dragon. You haven't claimed it until you've done that. So yeah. Like my my head canon um, is that this is that at that when Viserys claims Balerion, Balerion is so old and knows his days are coming. He's just like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Let's go. He's going <laughs> to be more docile potentially. Yeah, and I also think that backs up what the um, what the uh, what Miguel Sapochnik has done with uh, sweet old lady Vagar, saying, oh well, it's hell to get her off the ground and. She might injure herself when she lands. She's falling apart. Like, Balerion got old. Like, dragons live forever, maybe. They grow forever, maybe. That's not for sure. That's just something that they say is said by people. But we know Balerion was old, sluggish, and weakened to the point where the, she or he could not fly very far anymore. So what's, what they've done with the old dragons is in keeping with the book canon. I just thought I'd point that out. So, all but right. if... Oh, if Valerian, sorry, I was gonna say, if Valerian didn't go to Valeria and get scraped with something might maybe magical, would he have deteriorated so fast? With Aria? Um, no, I think Valerian was pushing three hundred when he when he passed. So, I think his time was just nearing naturally. Yeah. The the point. when was the Area thing? That was like a good Aria forty was years. Yeah, that was in the fifties so. and ninety four AC is when he did. So that's forty years earlier. So it was probably a little more young, obviously. Then you know, okay. Um, but maybe the wounds. Maybe Balerion never totally recovered from those wounds. You know, that's what I'm saying. I feel like Balerion's de- deterioration has to be magical because I just choose. Oh, to okay. I'm sorry. I missed you. I missed you saying that. No, I like that. That could be. Yeah, I, I could. I could get with that. Because I, I would like to believe that dragons can live forever if there's not a magical influence making it not possible. <laughs> Minty's saying, I hope they call her Vagar on the show. That would just make everyone's head explode. I will have a victory party if that's the case. Um, but, uh, uh, okay, so is it possible his dream is misinterpreted and that he's really, uh, it's really a Balerian memory metaphor and his dream is actually about Aegon the Conqueror? Um, no, all the dragon dreams seem to be prophetic not about the past. So we have not, I just went through all of them for the video that I haven't put out yet. So I would, I would say no. Um, JC says that he thinks it's out of character or they think it's out of character that Viserys did not ask Emma. I can see that argument, um, but I think they're trying to show us that Viserys is obsessed with having an heir. So. Out yeah. of character for Viserys or out of character for, for Viserys? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the claim, yeah. I'm not sure about that. Um, I can see that. But Viserys' character is being defined on the show, so I, it's it's hard to say if it doesn't fit because we don't 
you can't really take the fire and blood Viserys for the for the truth. So um, Amy or for my people says based on what I saw, I think it was just Damon being Damon and not something malicious. I think I think that's about the uh, the comment. Air for a day. Yeah, the air for a day. Um, Otto is so salty for Damon. It's almost funny. The next Maycor, oh, okay, buddy, LOL. And that's from Poos Unpoos. And I did want to also make a video about Magor. I didn't get to it. But Magor's shadow does loom over the story. And you heard Rainey's mention Magor, like, oh, it's been so many years and these people have no idea. Um, but some people do remember. And the, the, the shadow of Magor is something you can use as like an example of when it goes bad. So it's definitely a, a stretch to call Damon another Magor. Um, but it's just showing you like, they're afraid of any true dragon, really, is what it comes down to. And they'll be afraid of Rhaenyra when she gets older. Like they're only, Otto's only glomming to Rhaenyra because Damon is currently the threat. But then later he, he says the same shit about Rhaenyra that he said about Damon. so. Can I say that Otto's gay for Damon? It's, is there rep I could repressed, ang repressed attraction, repressed. like he wants to be and him or maybe, yeah. Like obsession, it's like it's everything I, I, that Otto isn't. I'll say that he's everything Otto isn't. So when so, when you think about someone that much, you know, there's a they say there's a thin line between love and hate. Like, and I grew up around like Christian. I, I knew two men that were like Christian but gay, and even to this day, they, they will never. They say they will never act on their gay impulses, and they just repress them, repress them. But <laughs> just going off this one episode, what what I saw from Otto seems remind, reminds me of what they describe their feelings are where it's like the person invades your mind without you even wanting them to so guys i need to go and put goose to bed um i need you guys to handle this for about three minutes or so which i'm sure it'd be easy to do if you want to go to you naming your hero and villain of the week you can or you can just kick it with the chat um but yeah just give me a couple minutes and i'll be right back, i already folks. have a question for you tim bye david see ya okay i'll be right back <laughs> I'm trying to see Tim. if I can mute my screen and put a logo up, but I don't know if I can. Go ahead. Go Tim, ahead. Tim, you were talking about the joust and Allison giving Damon um, her favorite. Mm -hmm. Did anyone else do think of like his jousting stick and her putting, wait, was okay. His jousting stick and her putting the circular wreath uh you're looking for like the double entendre in that. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh no, it's, it's definitely there because I do think they're gonna try and build up. Like, okay, um, jumping ahead. I mean, I don't want to go too deep into spoiler territory, but when we think it can't of like be spoiler, because it's just a, it's just a. Yeah, but when we get to Aemond One Eye, I, I do think they want to play up the sexual tension between Allison and Damon so that when we get introduced to Aemon One-Eye, we can have those questions of, is he Viserys' son or is he Damon? Like, I want to, I think they want to build uh, that up so that they can make even more ambiguous things with, with uh, I never thought so from the text. I never, ever thought that was a possibility from the text, but the show, and maybe it's like you guys or whatever getting in my head, but I saw so many little Allison Damon moments as much as there was Rhaenyra Damon moments. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, because that's what we're going to get when this show starts fleshing out characters more. Like how you were brought up, like, uh, when Viserys, like, Patty Considine's portrayal is really fleshing out the character more. Like, when I first read Fire and Blood, 
Viserys didn't really stand out. He's he's like like think of like presidents. Like everyone remembers George Washington and Abe Lincoln. Who the fuck remembers like Rutherford B. Hayes? Viserys is kind of like one of those kings almost. He's like one of those the ones that you kind of like when you're trying to name all the Targaryen kings, he becomes one of those ones is like, which one? Like, oh, what the fuck was his name? Like that, he he's in that kind of list. So I think Patty, what what they're doing with the show, really fleshing out Viserys' character, especially with Patty Considine's portrayal, is going to give us a whole new layer to Viserys, make him make us see him in a whole different light that we didn't get from just the text. And that's part of what I was getting to before when I said, like, because part of the limitations of fire and blood as a story is because it's written like a history text. Like you, you, yes. we're not going to get emotion like we're going to get from the show. Right. I want to read what Michael Spinelli says. Shout out to Spinelli from Recess. That was like my favorite show growing up. Michael Spinelli says, I really thought Alicent just was happy to have the attention. She's so jealous of Rhaenyra. I think he's talking about what we're talking about with the joust moment. Did you catch that? Some jealousy or rivalry with Rhaenyra and Alicent? Oh, that, like, I mean, when you're, I think that's that's always going to be there when you know that your best friend is also the princess. Like, even if uh, Alicent didn't envision her, ever envision a life as queen for herself, like, again, that's something that her father's really going to push herself into. There's always is going to be that sort of sense of envy when you have, well, like, don't you remember when Alicent was yelling at Rhaenyra and she was like, don't you care that you're next in line? Like early when the, when she's like on sleeping on her lap or resting on her lap. Yeah, and uh, and then and when Rhaenyra has the response of like, no, nah, I really don't care. I like this position. Or and then when Rhaenyra has that other line of like, I'd rather be a knight out in the field. I think it's supposed to like we're supposed to make like a Rhaenyra Arya connection in that kind of point. And but that Alice and, is so angry. Alice is so yeah. Sansa. I think like th that scene we're supposed to make a connection of look at Rhaenyra because another thing the show is going to do that the show needs to do is I mean it's going to appeal to book readers like us but it also needs to be able to have broad appeal to the more casual viewer so there's always going to be these times where the show's going to kind of make these inferences to make you think about other characters that are more familiar from the show so that people who haven't read the books and are show watchers only are still going to have like a point of reference and be like, oh yeah, he's kind of like, oh, Damon. Yeah, he's kind of like the Jamie. I think that scene with Rhaenyra and Allison is supposed to make us think of like Arya and Sansa. So you have a point of reference to be like, okay, I can kind of see where these characters are coming from. I've, so who, who do you think is the hottest girl? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm just to tag on to what I just heard. Um, uh, I think that the character parallels operate for only limited windows and situations. So like when Alicent launches the coup, it's very like Cersei and Robert. Um, mm -hmm. But right. in other situations, Rhaenyra parallels Cersei, but only in some ways. Mostly Rhaenyra is not Cersei. So I feel like, yeah, to what Tim is saying, it... The similar situations give us good points to compare the characters, um, but there's really never a one-to-one -one repeat of any character. No. So yeah, although but George loves to reuse his little tropes, he and does remind us with their names: Theon Blood, you know, Theon Stark is bloodthirsty, you know, all types of stuff. And I think that's the only way to make such a big universe coherent with so many characters. Um, and also, it's good for symbolism and stuff. Um, 
the, all the all the people are hot on this show. Um, I'm too old to be talking about any of these women publicly and not like, yeah. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna stick to like saying that Fabian Frankel's really good looking, um, you know, and 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 just you know. For me, it was Emma. I thought Emma was the hottest girl in this episode, and I hate and it 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 cut even more. Her wig was laid. Okay, her wig was laid. Even in childbirth, she was looking. I was like, damn, Emma. Like, cause I. I don't like spoilers, so I watched the trailer once. And like, I don't like to look up who the actors are because I just want to like, you know. Yeah. So I didn't know, I, I never saw Emma. And I was like, when I saw her, I was like, I couldn't take my eyes off her. And I'm like, dang, I already know how this outcome is going to be. Now I have to find another lover. So right on, I appreciate that. Okay, so let me go turn the light <laughs> out here on, uh, on the cockatoo and I'll be right back. Thanks guys. But like the thing that I guess that I want to say I appreciate about the show is that um, it's going to be great for us book readers because we can look at because we can look at everything and be like, yeah, I know this and see what's happened to change. But at the same time, and they're not going to dumb it down, which I very much appreciate. But at the same time, when you're running a show, you need to it needs to be accessible to the casual viewer. Now, me, I started out as a show watcher. I started reading the main books when I was waiting on, I think it was between season six and season seven is when I started reading the books. And then wow. in, when, when COVID hit, yeah, I was really late to the game with the books. And then when COVID hit, that's when I really like took the deep plunge into like the world of ice and fire and the Dunkin' Egg novels. And that's when I became like, oh, Reddit? And then I, Were you on Reddit? Oh yeah, yeah. I was on. That's where I got my start on Reddit. And then when I see things like City of the Bloodless Men, I'm like, Oh, you should tell me more about that. And that's that's where the Gray Waste Tim persona kicked off. But yeah, I started as a show watcher only. So until I got in the book. So when you need when you have the show, you need you you don't want to dumb it down for the audience, but you do want to make it accessible for people. And that's what I think this show is. This show is going to be treading the line. And I, so far, I think they're doing a great job of it. So, I loved seeing King's Landing like all shiny and new, like flea bottom. I was like, this isn't the flea bottom that Arya showed me. No, the, everything is bigger. Like just when you're in the Red Keep and they gave us the shot up the stairwell, that really tall stairwell, like that was beautiful to me. I breathtaking. I love big open spaces. Um, that's, I feel like that's what Sapochnik brings. Um, Cause he's mostly in charge of like the on the set production of how things are, are going and I feel like all of his sh all of his episodes of GOT were kind of like that. He did the battle scenes that have the bigger scope of stuff, the more epic feel, and I think that he's kind of brought that to almost every scene or just to the show in general. So it's also a bigger budget. You can you can you know build bigger sets and do all that. So that's just yeah. It looked like a fantasy series. Minty had several comments along those lines right from the beginning with Rhaenyra flying the dragon, landing in the castle, being called princess as she hops off the dragon. It's very much like. This is a fantasy show. We're embracing it, you know. Um, I just want to say that the chat agrees with me that Ama is the girl, the it girl. That's Ama's Regina George. I predicted that she would be the surprise, like, thing that everyone talks about. And not just because of the death scene. Like, she just had a strong presence throughout the whole episode. Uh, and they did such a good job of building up the character. And... To me, like, that's one of the things that George does the best about his writing because of his short story skills is he can create a character like Nimble Dick or Varamir or it's somebody that just you don't Thistle. know. It. What's that? I said Thistle. Thistle. 
Right, like <laughs> characters that you know almost nothing about and you get attached to in a short amount of time. So the fact the show can do that as well is very good, and it's also a good match for Martin's writing, in my opinion. Um, so let's see here. Squish remembered okay. deck. Uh, Descobra says, was the tourney, uh, oddly enough, too violent? Yeah, I didn't understand why they were killing each other and not using blunted weapons. I was confused about that, too. I like, Damon's using a Valerian like, steel... Okay. What? Yeah, that was crazy. What was that yeah. about? I thought that was the melee, like the melee portion of, of the tourney. Um, but it wasn't. It was literally during the joust every single time. Yeah, it seemed like the joust, if it went a certain way, they had the opportunity to then melee after, but it's just the two of them, so it's just single combat, essentially. And yeah, the guy killed the other guy with the fucking axe to the face. I mean, that was definitely Oh, yeah, that guy was the sore loser. <laughs> no, yeah, I was so confused. Because going back to Game of Thrones, we saw Robert say, stop this madness in the name of your the Yeah, king, it's supposed to be blunted. Like Maybe things are just more barbaric back then, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah. I, I was would like to get a clarification on that, like on a behind the episode. I don't know if they talked about it, but yeah, I, I'm confused why they're not using um, blunted weapons and stuff. So I'm confused as why they're doing that at all. If you lose the joust, you get on your horse and you go away. Because like, well... I guess Duncan Egg is after this. I was going to say, because even in Duncan Egg, no one is doing that. Um, but yeah, maybe yeah, it was like, just more barbaric. But doesn't doesn't all of these comes, customs come from the Faith of the Seven, like their stuff? Like knights, jousts, tourneys? Um, I think that's true, yeah. It definitely comes from the the Reach. Uh, that's where the chivalry, the chivalric tradition comes from, yeah. Um, so, so people, I'm still reading the chat here, and people are saying that in real medieval times, it kind of like at one point the tournaments were too violent, and then that's why the rules came around. So maybe this okay. is just a more violent period. Um, yeah. Thank you, chat. Because I figured once Damon, that scene where Damon kind of goes down off the side of his horse, and he's like getting like torn down that railing thing like a bowling ball going down the gutter i could have i was like oh he lost there but no it continues with the sort of mate that was an awesome shot damon getting over. dragged along the rail dude that was fucking sick that was sick <laughs> yes I, when that happened i was, oh, I was like oh shit <laughs> and can we get a moment for Kristen cole like what a boss entrance dude yeah didn't you feel like you were in the joust like the way the camera angle was it was like you were the Lance. That was amazing. I was not expecting that. We got the arrogant Baratheon get his comeuppance. Damon unhorsing the high tower to mess with Otto. Like, there's a lot of nice politics going on in that tourney oh, scene. It oh, makes me hopeful that um, we'll continue to have that strong medieval Renfair vibe going on with this stuff. Um, but we, we, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, like little, little like you know. I think that's going to be like a, maybe another section we can add is like little things that caught hmm. your eye. Okay. One of them was when when Damon goes up against the High Tower kid, and then Lord Beesbury, the Master of Coins, goes put five dragons on Damon. I'm like, oh, the Master of Coin hedging bets. That, yeah, that made, I, I love like, some oh, I love that. I love, I love that like that little bit of like Lord Beesbury, like also like the Master of Coin is betting on this too. And then, of course, Damon asking for Allison's favor to spite Otto. Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, real the nice. Little... But David, did you hear about the part about that same moment? Like it seeming like Damon putting his little jousting stick, and then Rhaenyra putting the circular wreath. Didn't that seem kind of like 
even their eye contact and like uh, Allison seemed like hesitant or ashamed. There was still, me. there was still tension between Damon and Rhaenyra, even though he was getting Allison's favor. If that's what you're asking, yes, absolutely. No, I'm talking about the tension between Allison and Damon specifically. Like, okay, so what are you saying tension. about it? Yeah, then? Oh, then sorry. He took, he took her maidenhead, and he is, he like you know how guys like Damon. Oh, you think Allison. it's already happened? From from Maybe. the. Uh, Okay. I felt something. I don't know what it was, but hmm. I felt something with that. Why are you asking Rhaenyra when, I mean, sorry, why are you asking Allison for her, sorry, for her um, favor when the realm's delight is right there? Who's your Because own he's blood? sticking it to Otto. Everything he's doing there is sticking it to Otto. He's why taking is Allison's Allison favor. What's that? Allison, Allison reacted to that, though. She, it, go watch it again. Her okay. eyes are like downcast, like a woman that's kind of just like, yeah, he talked me into it, and I huh. kind of enjoyed myself. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me reading into it. I never thought it during the text, but just during that little encounter, I was like, first of all, there's there's physical symbolism of a shaft and a circular object, and then Allison's face. I don't know. I will have to go watch it again. I felt like Allison was very much an adjunct to that scene, and it was mainly between Damon and Rhaenyra. And he was just getting Allison's favor as a bit of sport um, to, to, to tweak Otto's nose. But we'll have to see. Obviously, we're waiting to see, like, if there is a Damon-Allison thing. And obviously, the point would be Eamon's one eye to be Damon's son. Then they will obviously feed us a whole bunch more clues. So we'll just have to put a pin in we'll that and, and watch for it. Yeah. But again, on the rewatch, I'll, I'll take a look. Um, so tension, but the, the, the Damon-Rhaenyra scenes, we haven't, we haven't really talked about that yet. Um, wow, what an intro for Damon. I just, I love how, forget the romance for a second. I just, or not even romance, this would be tension at anything, but just forget that for a second. I love the way that it's like, Damon returns to the city in the middle of the night, Rhaenyra gets word, and she's all excited about it. He's like, where is he? Oh, did he just got back? And then she's like running to see him, and then he's got a gift for her. I don't know, it's just like, uh, they're, you know, these are two Targaryens in a weird family, and they're kindred spirits is the bottom line. That's why they ultimately end up together. They are both they are both kindred spirits. Um, yeah, and I feel I like Rhaenyra has just like a soft spot at this point for her rogue uncle. She knows her dad doesn't like her uncle and that her uncle gives her dad fits, but she just kind of likes him. And I just, I don't know, the smile that she had when they opened the door and she saw him on the throne it was. It just showed you they have a real connection. Um, I'm not trying to characterize that connection. It's a complicated thing, but it's definitely a connection. No, they characterize it. When Damon said, turn around, I was like, who, me? I was like, oh. Listen, there was so much tension. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he said, That's... turn around. I, I don't like, think you were the only one. I don't think you were the only one. <laughs> I was like, Okay, Daddy. Oh, I'm um, waiting for the chat to catch up with that one. <laughs> but I was like, oh, there was so much tension. Like, even, like, my man, he was like, here we go with the incest. And I was like, you you, you can you can read that already? He was like, yeah. Uh, She's hot yeah. for her uncle. I was like, oh, shit. Like, and it, what, and what? It, seemed like, it seemed like Rhaenyra was more into him than he was into her. What do you guys think? Well, for me, it was, I was curious as to whether they were going to, because again, like I, I avoided the leaks. So I watched this for the first time with fresh eyes. I was curious if they were going to go that route. But once he said, turn around, I was like, 
there it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that they're not uh, treating Rhaenyra like a kid. And I try to tell people this going into the show. Um, yeah, okay, the chat is catching up now. <laughs> and Minty, uh, by the way, Nettles is Minty. Minty's on the same page uh, with you here on a lot of this. I'm noticing. Yeah, so. Minty. <laughs> uh, but. So I told people as delicately and artfully as I could that even though Rhaenyra, we should remember that she's a teenager, she doesn't, as a woman, she does not have the same agency as the people around her. Similarly to Alicent, so there are these powerful men around her that are manipulating her. But I told you also to remember that Rhaenyra is a dragon rider, that she Thank has you. agency, that she yeah. has grown up in court. She is not like Sansa. She's a lot more like Marjorie with a dragon. Um, and so don't. I'm not saying that, like, uh, it's just, it's hard to talk about this because you, you run into almost getting next to language that is rationalizing or uh, making okay uh, inappropriate relationships with minors. And obviously that is not what we are trying to condone. But at the same time, you have to realize that as soon as kids hit puberty in medieval society, they are then thrown into the political game and it is up to them to figure out what's there going on around them and fight for their own agency. And that is what Rhaenyra is right in the middle of. Um, and that is so she's not powerless. She is, she can fight for herself. She can make mistakes that, that will, you know, she'll have to deal with the consequences of. And she's, that's the character. It's complex, but they're not shying away from it. And so that's what I was trying to prepare people for. And now maybe you see what I mean, I guess. Thoughts. No, I'm I 100 percent endorse your statement. I am a woman. I've been through all the good things of being a woman and all the bad things of being a woman. And when I read the text, I never thought that Rhaenyra didn't have agency. And then me, I put myself in these characters. And do you know the amount of power you would have from being a dragon rider, regardless of your sex? A lot. Regardless of your sex. It being a dragon rider makes in a way makes you equal with a man. Come on. So it's like the fact that people are like, oh, the, the uncle, the age gap, I'm like, sure. In a 2022 lens, yes, it's problematic. But I, I kind of, I want to see where the show goes with it. But so far, I really like the fact that in every scene, doesn't it seem like Rhaenyra and Damon are equals? Yes. She's looking down on him and saying, oh, good joust, uncle. That's what bit. I was trying to say. Like, she's almost like... Um, you know, a teen that's grown up now and sees her uncle that's kind of a fuck up. You know, he's not married. He's kind of living like in somebody's basement. She's like, yeah, it's my fuck up uncle, but I love him. My dad doesn't want any of us to really hang out with him too much, you know, because he, he plays those albums that he doesn't like and might smoke weed with <laughs> us or something. Like, that's that's the energy you're getting from David. He's like the bad uncle, the black sheep of the family. But yes, Rhaenyra very much has it it is kind of like she's looking down on him it's sort of a endearing like oh it's it's bad uncle here you are you know you can't you just can't straighten up can you but they I are kindred say, go ahead no you go ahead no there are kindred spirits and both i'm going to this is valid with lena too damon is an example of a fully liberated and empowered dragon lord he does what he wants all the time and so for people like lena or, or um, Rhaenyra, who have dragons, and they are they have that fiery dragon spirit, but are somewhat more constrained. It's it's understandable that they would fall in love with somebody like Damon because he represents 
the fullest embodiment of that dragon energy that they themselves resonate with. So I think that's why Look those relationships Rainey. will be good and Doesn't compelling. It, Go ahead. Look at Rainey's. Doesn't it seem like Rainey's runs that? Not maybe she doesn't run the relationship with Corley's, but you could tell she's not a victim of anything. No. Look at Daenerys telling Dario, "Take off your clothes." Like, yes, in medieval times, it's bad for women unless you have a dragon. It That's does all change. I want to say about that. It does change. And Tim, so Tim, get in on this subject here. We're, we're shutting you out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's mostly you know, me. Like, it's mostly me. But go ahead. Well, Corliss and Rainey's. I, I like. I love that. There, there obviously is like both not not uh, like both a love between the two and a mutual respect between the two. And the fact that Corliss is willing to throw down hands and and uphold his wife's claim, and and remind them of like, yo, my wife had a better. My wife had a better claim, and he even says it to, basically says it point blank to Viserys's face. Like my wife's claim was better than yours. <laughs> No, he says, Viserys, you're sitting in my wife's seat. Yeah. That's what that scene read like to me. He's like, let's not get it twisted. You're sitting in my wife's seat. It's a good example of how there's all these different ant cross angles hitting each other. Like you could get sucked into the Damon Otto Viserys triangle, but then there's Rhaenyra pouring wine and she's got her own politics. And then there's the Strongs and then there's Corliss like, hey, don't forget about the shipping lanes. And like, yeah, so... <laughs> It's the thing we missed that was so sorely lacking in the later seasons of Game of Thrones is how the war of words is just as important as the war with actual swords and fire and dragons. How about Damon yeah. listening at the eaves outside? Like, What was that about? That's Damon being the rogue princess just to show you that like he's not just a loose cannon. Like He's strategic. He's intelligent. He knows how to like lay back and let people talk and just gather information and then make his move. Where you know? was he? Was he in like one of the, the birds little wall things? Or is oh, I see what like you're saying. You're saying, does Damon know about the secret passages and stuff? Oh, maybe. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, like Magor. It, and that's a, that brings us back to all the Magor parallels that they've been putting with Damon because Magor is the one who had all the secret catacombs and tunnels. I would love that if Damon knew oh, the like, secrets or some of them. That would be awesome. I, I hope they, I hope they, I hope you're right about that. Uh, somebody had a really great comment up here. I was trying to get back to it. Um, it's implying that Damon is part of the small council without being in the small council. That scene with him, like, looking in. Oh, right. Like, oh. Right. Also communicates his outsider status. Yeah. Someone uh, commented, um, yeah, the way Rhaenyra was clutching the necklace during the joust. Yeah, that was very, like, one of those small details that communicated a lot of emotion. Yeah, it's a good observation. Uh, Koenig on the screen here says, a big part of what I know about this amazing universe is thanks to you. I'm having so much fun. Uh, hello from Argentina. I'm assuming that means... Salud, so salutations, very cool. Um, yeah, uh, let's see here. I had a thought that I was trying to trying to chase it down. It's all right. I have ADHD. It's it's uh, something. Was it about Damon? Small council. Oh, we're gonna play this game. The birds. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was. Um, it was. Oh, yeah, see, it's not good entertainment to watch me try to remember stuff. It'll come okay. back to me. It's fine. Um, um, let's see here. There's still, yeah, there's a lot of super chats still, I know. There I'm is, there's super chats, man. There's so much to talk about. I guess it doesn't matter how long we go for. It's the first episode, whatever. Um, 
People are still in the chat. What's up, people? Yeah, we got a we got nine seventy two still watching here. So we are people aren't tired of it yet. Um, King Viserys. Okay, we read that one. George B. The Targaryens refer to themselves as dragons. Watch Lizard People, George B. If you haven't already. J. King says hi. New to this channel. I love Millie Alcox. Hi. That's what it was. Hi, Valerian. It sounded supernatural. Loved the episode. Yes. Yeah, so Damon and Millie's. Or Damon and Millie. Matt Damon and uh, Rhaenyra Millie uh, speaking Valerian to each other. Yes, that, that, that raises the, the... I mean, hearing a foreign language is always kind of magical to me because it sounds like speech, but you don't know what it means. And so there's just, there's just something really interesting to that. And the Valerian that they've created is very musical sounding. It's very kind of old Latin sounding, maybe. I don't know if that's right, but to me it kind of sounds that way. And um, maybe just because I think about the Valerians as Romans, but very cool. And it's just like more of that little bond that they share that other people don't. Were they talking about Viserys around Viserys by using Valerian and assuming that he couldn't understand it? Or were they just talking quietly at the funeral? I was confused. I didn't because know Because Rhaenyra's happening. like, I hope he was happy for the day that his son was alive. Like, that's a pretty fucking edgy thing to say. Was she thinking only Damon could hear her or what? I was, yeah. It could I was, be either. Like, yeah, we don't know whether Viserys speaks High Valyrian or not. That would be funny if they use it to, like, talk shit around him. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, I mean, it would be if... if if Viserys can't speak High Valyrian, that would actually be a good character portrait because it shows even more of his disconnection from his roots, along with him not being a dragon rider. Well, that and like that's he's not why I was saying it. maybe he doesn't know it. Yeah, because Tyrion speak kind of speaks because he's learned. It's kind of something that's like nerds. Like you have a certain like IQ level to to have an interest in learning it because it's not necessary for you to know High Valyrian. But if you're a nerd, you're gonna learn it. So, okay, so I'm working my way to the chats. I've almost caught up to the ones that are on the screen. I'm so close. Let me press on. Tori Carson says, and thank you, everybody, for sending in super chats. Seen complaints about the gender roles in Game of Thrones, but for me, I always felt fantasy lets us understand what medieval women went through in a different context. Yeah, um, gender roles exist in life, and they are going to be in every story. Just because you don't show, like, show somebody rebelling against them doesn't mean they're not in the story. So, yeah, a lot of that... I feel like there's a modern... There's a certain kind of person uh, that wants media to be apolitical, which is not possible at all. And now it's gone so far that like anything that becomes a modern political issue that's sensitive is somehow off limits as subject matter for like TV shows now. It's very strange. We won't dwell on it because I think um, everyone knows how I feel about that stuff. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, we're on the same page here. Monica says, hello there. I love that they mentioned Daenerys at the beginning, but I wanted to know what you thought of them mentioning and highlighting her name and not Jon's name or even Rhaegar. Um, I mean, I think that the prophecy refers to both Jon and Daenerys. And I think that, Rhaegar's, you know, Rhaegar's, um, Rhaegar's they, I mean, not going to mention Rhaegar. There's no way to mention Rhaegar, but we're supposed to be thinking of Rhaegar when we see these Targaryens interpreting prophecy. This is basically slowly giving us clues about what Rhaegar was actually going through because that's the mystery. Rhaegar is a mystery. The Tower mm -hmm. of Joy, what was he doing? And by the way, did you notice the line promise me that they used? It was um, it was Viserys to Rhaenyra. Was that who said it? I forget now who said it, but they used the promise me line 
and it was connected to that pro- the, the the long night prophecy. I hope, can somebody remember in the chat? I thought it was um, chat. Help us. <laughs> I thought it was Viserys telling Rhaenyra to promise him that that she would remember the prophecy or something like that. Uh, but I took that as a RLJ shout out because "Promise me, Ned" is such a big line. Um, another line that they shouted out was um, the feast for crows. Viserys yeah. said he, he yeah. wasn't going to sit around. My wife and son are dead. I will not suffer crows to feast on their corpses. So that was another cool use, use of a Song of Ice and Fire language, yeah. Favorite book of the main series. <laughs> oh, another great line. This family already has a Visenya. That was Viserys about Rhaenyra. Yeah. That was Don't dope. Don't compare me to other bitches. I'm my own bitch. I'm new. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I, I just like I like the comparison because, of course, Rhaenyra wears a long braid um, in because she idolizes Visenya and Rhaenyra names one of her children Visenya uh, eventually. Okay. So yeah. uh, that was very cool. Yeah, and it was it was yeah, promise me Rhaenyra. It was Viserys to Rhaenyra. So, again, it's about the prophecy. That's why I think it was an intentional connection to John, because John's part of the fulfillment of that prophecy that they were discussing. So very cool resonance there. A lot of cool little love notes to A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, but subtle, and they fit in well. Um, Christopher Doran says, thanks for all your work. Uh, Your crown is amazing. Uh, Caraxes and Nettles is gorgeous. Love the hair. Yeah, by the way, you went all out with the eyebrows. Let's just take a minute to appreciate. Very, very nice. I, I noticed that uh, Rhaenyra had brown eyebrows. I was like, what's going on? This took, this took 10 minutes to do. <laughs> I always, see, even me, like when I wear my Targaryen wig, I always shave my beard down so that it gets like lighter. Because I'm- Because t- it looks weird if you have the beard. It kind of so does, like, yeah, it doesn't look right, yeah. But maybe I can start a trend. That'll be the new dark eyebrows, light hair. It's like dark beard, light hair. Um, wait. That'd be, it's just it Guy Fieri, isn't it? It's Guy Fieri. That's who does that. Guy Fieri. <laughs> isn't it? Have you ever had a Guy Fieri burger? Sorry, this is off No, topic. I don't know. I fucking had it on a carnival cruise, and it's the best burger I've ever fucking had. I don't know how. I don't know why it's the best burger. So, yeah. The, the bleach <laughs> works <laughs> for, for burger making. <laughs> well, we appreciate your dedication to excellence, and you look fantastic. So, thank you. Tim, we thank expect you to bleach your eyebrows you, next week. Um, uh, I don't uh, Jack Lewis. <laughs> um, oh, sure so Jack Lewis. This is so funny. A super chat sent many minutes ago. He's probably dying. Listen to us talking for the last five minutes. His super chat was promise me, Rhaenyra. Promise me, Ned. Both promises to secure the song of ice and fire. So thank you, Jack Lewis. I was I just should have read your super chat 10 minutes ago. You had the answer I was looking for. But yes, that was definitely a standout. Uniquely stellar says I think Otto wrote the Citadel about the wound that won't heal. Uh, made me think back to him telling the maester to keep it quiet. There's 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 a lot of shady shit going on in just one episode, isn't there? The damn old town faction. It's the only way to make the high towers interesting. They have to do this conspiracy. I swear. Go ahead, Tim. I was gonna say like that. That's something that we didn't get to discuss. Yet, is is how much Viserys keeps cutting himself on the throne. And the symbolism of that, of, of how the Iron Throne knows who's worthy to sit on it and who's not. And the fact that not only is it cutting him, but that that wound is getting infected. He said it's like growing just, bigger. I didn't know what that was with the pus. What was that? 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Minty said it could be a melanoma gone out of control. Um, or just like he's got a problem uh, healing or something like that from just a regular cut. But uh, a cut Or it could mean the maester started poisoning him so early on, slowly. We'll just put a little bit of grayscale on that wound. Oopsie. No. Actually, Ooh, I, I, I looked at it as like, as like an infection. Like it's a cut that got infected. Think of like uh, Carl Drogo and his like how he his cut is something... It, it starts out as like a little cut, but it gets infected and magical not... though. You don't think Khal yeah. Drogo's wound was mag magically influenced by Mirror Master? Oh man, no, not... we've got too much to get through. Please. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yes, I see the parallel, but there's the parallel no answer. Is... There, you can make a good case for either. So that's why I'm going like this is because it's a good debate, and you could come down on either side of it. So, um, and then you can debate Mary's morality, whether she was justified or not, because that's debatable too. <laughs> so. Let's not. So, is Viserys the new King Scab? In episode one, we've already seen two wounds. Well, I mean, definitely it's consistent with the Iron Throne cutting people that aren't like worthy of it. But um, we'll have to see where it goes. It's like they're starting it earlier in Viserys' plot line. So I'm curious. I just wonder if it has an old town angle because, man, that healthcare really sucks. Either that or there's damn conspiracy. Foot. Um, Stacy Burke says Aegon the second probably won't be told about the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, I don't want to again spoil the ending, but that's specifically the question: is does Aegon get told about it? Probably not. But the person who's king after him, maybe they did, or maybe it was written down somewhere and discovered later by someone. So there's a few possibilities here. Jordan the drummer, did Rhaegar share the prophecy with Lyanna? Then she shares it to Ned, who raised John and sends him to the Wall, so the prophecy might have died with Ned. Um, again, one of the biggest mysteries is what did Rhaegar know, which we're closing in on that. He knew he was trying to fulfill prophecy. What did Lyanna and Arthur Dane and Ashara Dane know? Were they all in? I suspect all those people were in on Rhaegar's planning per, my, myself. Um, yeah. and then, so what did Lyanna tell Ned? How long was Lyanna even alive when Ned found her? Was she like fading out of consciousness? And like, how much could she talk about? And then what is Ned keeps his damn secrets too. So yeah, there's, hopefully we'll get some answers to this. Winds of Winter come out someday. Um, I mean, I like it because people keep saying Rhaegar was so melancholy, melancholy. And after I saw that hard home episode, I was melancholy for a week because I kept thinking of like, when you see the army of the dead, there's no joy in life anymore. There's no more. So, like, I'm with you, David. Rhaegar saw some shit. You know, and I just had a thought. Um, Darren the Drunkard, Egg's brother, we're meant to understand that he has turned to drinking because of his dreams. Eamon says, the dragon dreams, you know, killed my brothers, every one. Um, and uh, he talked about Darren having the dreams and it killed him. And it's like, that's really what you see when you read The Hedge Knight. Uh, and so these, like I said, these dreams, they go on when you close your eyes, they fuck with your head, man. They're bad. They're, like, it's tough because again, they're hard to interpret. And if you do interpret it, now you're supposed to do something about it. So like p what we're seeing is that people react differently. So when they say Rhaegar was melancholy, well, yeah, he was, that was how we reacted to all this stuff. It's, me it's heavy, man. It's not like, yeah, I get to save the world. It's like, fuck, I have to save the world? Who? I, I wouldn't want to be responsible for that. Good Lord.
Tim, you want? Do you want? Do you want to be responsible? Your kids got to save the world. How do you feel? No, I don't want that on my shoulders. <laughs> but again, I like but I love the attention. The true dragon nettles. But you got to remember, I like got this it. is coming from. But I'm saying, like, but this is also coming to the Targaryens who already see themselves as sort of gods among men. And so, again, like, I always, like, when we think these prophecies, I'm always going to call it illusions of grandeur. Like, these, uh, for a normal person like me, like, I would not want to have that weight on my shoulders. But for certain Targaryens, and, and, that's, and that's not to say that, like, it, it applies to every Targaryen, because, like, we just use the example of Daron the Drunkard. He obviously didn't want that weight on his shoulders either, which is why he's drinking himself into a stupor so that he can have dreamless so that he can sleep without dreaming at all. But then others, you know, they embra they embrace it and then they take it so hard, they take it too far because they believe that like, I am the hero of the story or my son is the hero of the story. They do. And it's not just Rhaegar because Egg, a lot of what takes us down the road of the Mad King is going to be Egg because he's going to hear that prophecy from the ghost of Highheart, from the wood, that woods witch. Who, uh -huh. And then he... Like, like, let's write like Jaehaerys the second and his sister marry for love, just the way that Jaehaerys and Queen, Queen Alysanne did. But Eris the second, the Mad King, him and his sister, they they were not in love. Forced. They were forced together because that's what Egg decreed, and he decreed well, it. No, Jaehaerys said that. Jaehaerys too said that. He was like, "Well, since I love my sister, you'll grow to love your sister." No, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying that it's. Uh, this leading to prophecy, leaning into prophecy so hard that you start forcing square pegs into round holes because you want to make it work for you because you want to be the hero of your own story. Right, because when you're when you're being given the burden of prophetic duty, it's like even worse than being made king. Your own personal desires really should get thrown out the window because you're dealing with stuff that's way more important but you're still a person and you still fall in love with people and you still have mommy and daddy issues that you have to work out and all that fucking shit. So sibling rivalry, sibling rivalry. Right. So that, and that's what George is doing with this is he is asking the question, how would people react to having dragons? How would people react to having prof prophetic knowledge? And he, yes. a lot of different answers because there's lots of different kinds of people, but you can tell it's something that George is thinking about and working out and that is the main way that I usually try to describe George's version of fantasy. He takes all the fantasy tropes and he asks the question, what would people really fucking do with that? And that's how you get the Valerian Empire. Because mankind is cruel. And there have been times in, many times, all throughout history, when people that have the most power and the most might, they just take what they want for as long as they can until they outstretch their own resources and collapse from internal corruption or whatever. But like this endless conquest is a thing that people try to do. Um, and so it's like, if you had dragons, eventually you'd get that intersection of very ambitious, smart war people and dragons. And then everyone else is fucked. So <laughs> this is why George's fantasy is realistic. It's because he's yeah. always asking that question. What would people do with these tropes? Um, so just a great example of it on display here, all the different answers and the different reactions that people have to prophecy. Uh, yeah. Um, something in the chat that came up, there is, all, there is a theory that Leanna had a C-section. Leanna? Um, Leanna. 
John's mom. We don't have enough info for that, do we? Well, no, it's just a theory, but she's there's a lot she's in a bed of blood. So it's it's a very bloody childbirth that's happened. And the yeah. Kingsguard are there and they won't let Ned in. Um like why you know, why do they have orders not yeah. to let Ned in to see his sister? It, it's so it's a Ned theory. Fight and kill to get in there. And there's also symbolism. It's it's moon things hatching out of the moon egg and stuff like that. Um, because it maybe was dawn that was used for the C-section. It's the, would have been the sharpest instrument there. So it's that's tough, man. It's, yeah, I don't like it because it's so tough. I'm just hoping that isn't true. <laughs> so and, I don't ever talk about that theory. But now that we've seen this. I'm sorry. It's like, with Rhaegar being so convinced that he needs to have three children, him making the same call that Viserys did, right? And Arthur Dane would get whatever at whatever cost. Either yeah. he may have made that call, or Arthur Dane and the Kingsguard could have made that call. Either one could have been the, been the case because we don't know when Rhaegar left and how long Lyanna was there when Ned found her. It's all in a dream haze. All the timing is murky intentionally, so. Yeah. But my thing is, um, the Sword of the Morning, or the Kingsguard is there to protect the heir, not Lyanna. And that's just what we saw in this scene. That was the whole point of the scene, is that yeah. it's a royal womb, as Emma says. It's not your womb anymore. It belongs to the crown. That's what that means. Prophecy. So that is an intense theory, yes. But I think it's probably worth considering now that we've seen what we've seen. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, um, and and also the whole Nissa Nissa Lightbringer thing. You know, John represents Lightbringer in a way. He's the thing that's forged from that event. Of course, Nissa Nissa was stabbed with the sword, so this yes. would be a more direct parallel <clears throat> to that. Sorry for ruining your guys' night and making you even more upset after watching that. Uh, yeah. Why? Okay. <clears throat> John is the song of ice and fire. What do you mean? He's Lightbringer. Yeah, it's it's all it's it just means that he's the promised prince and he's going to have a shining sword. It's going to save the day. That's what that means. It's all happy. All right. Um, back to the super chats here. These are all good questions, too. So these are good. Good way to get into the episode in different ways, different angles that, that we haven't taken yet. The skyline dominating dragon pit. I'm like, where was that in the days of the Baratheon kings? Well, it got collapsed. And of course, if you remember the final scenes where they, Bran's caught the best story. That's why he should be king. And everyone's listening to me because I'm a prisoner and a dwarf. And that's just the sort of person that everyone listens to. Um, that was in the ruins of the dragon pit. That whole, all that council where Danny landed with her dragon and they all met with Cersei. That was all in the dragon pit. It gets destroyed at a certain point in history. And so by the time of the, the Song of Ice and Fire story, it's, it's collapsed. But I love the way it looks. It's big and beautiful, like an ancient football stadium. I, every scene that the Dragon Pit is involved in, I'm just like this, like Dragon Keepers, Dragon Pubs. <laughs> Tell us your secrets. <laughs> Colin Ashley just became a patron. Appreciate the content. Praise Garth. Very good, Colin. I praise Garth regularly. Every time I'm off camera, that's probably happening. Um, Keyshav says, in Dunk's tourney, Lords who fell can continue fighting. Uh, yeah, but it's, I think, I'll have to go back and look. I don't, I thought they were either using blunted swords or they're just not trying to kill each other because when somebody does get killed, it's like, 
kind of a faux pas, but I'll have to go back and look and analyze that. I wasn't thinking about it too hard until now, so I don't I don't know if I'm remembering clearly. Um, so the uh, Rhaenyra Cersei parallel is apparently the piano music, Curtis Frank says. I don't know if it's a theme or just the idea of sparse piano music there, um, but it's probably a theme that's being echoed, uh, if that's what you're saying, Curtis. That would be interesting. I loved the piano music in the last scenes when Rhaenyra was getting crowned and Damon was leaving the city. I thought that was amazing music. Of course, obviously, it's Ramin. Um, 28th wedding anniversary for Yensid. House of the Dragon is a great way to end the evening. Congratulations. It's uh, many years together. It's awesome. Salvador Rodriguez. So Damon listening is in a way to justify why he said the air for the day comment. And so Allison, uh, what, let me just stop with that. Um, I think that the whole episode makes it understandable why he feels that way. Because he is the heir. So it's like, why is Viserys so hung up on trying to create a son to replace Damon as the heir? It's like, what's wrong with me? So that's the whole, Damon's whole angle. It's, I don't think it's that cryptic. It's like he resents the fact that he's trying to be replaced. And so that's why there's a natural tension between him and any son of Viserys. <clears throat> um, and Allison definitely slept with the old king, right? I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say that. Um, I say that, that this is a nettles only theory. He David was too damn to old. Look how old he was. was Come on. He was not old for some sloppy toppy. Of course, we. That's, you, that's, a, that's a nettles theory. That's a nettles exclusive. I'm with you. Was he doing those mace aerobics when the camera pans away? He's like Pycelle. All of a sudden, he's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did like 50 squats. No, the yeah. The secret yoga. No. Uh, Mackenzie, if the dragons only understand High Valyrian, that would make sense for Viserys since he only rode Valyrian once. Right, he doesn't have a reason to keep up with the Valyrian. Okay, that makes kind of sense. Why learn it when he doesn't need it? Of course, at the same time, he's very obsessed with his um, Derek Zoolander school for Valerians who can't dream good. He's working on that thing all the time. So, like, he's definitely connected to Valyrian stuff, but... Yeah, maybe he hasn't learned the language. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. The accolade says, death by a thousand cuts, Viserys the first. And Damn. that brings me current. I'm current. I've caught up. Yes. Now we can talk about anything we want. These dreams. Can I talk about my, my conspiracy theory or my uh, whatever. We didn't name hero and villain of the week. So give me your theory and then we'll do hero and villain of the week. And then I think Whoa. we're probably good. Okay. So I'm, I'm always um, in the main text, you know, book one through five, trying to figure out what gods are real, you know, between R'hllor and basically the old gods, um, or the, the northern goddess, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll be right back. Keep when, talking. I'm listening. So in that scene when she's giving, well, before that scene where she's giving birth, she talks about having five miscarriages, which makes me think that there's like two opposing forces of gods. Maybe it's R'hllor and the cold ones or whatever that are fighting to change history. Now with Bran, I feel like anytime you're messing with time travel, you're, you're messing with alternate histories, alternate kind of like dimensions, because depending on which fork you take in the road, right? Okay, Preston Jacobs, go ahead. Hey, so I feel like each, so I feel like there's one force, I don't know which, is wants the current timeline to continue where there's only one 
person born to Ama and it's Rhaenyra so that the Dance of the Dragons can happen and so that we can have our current timeline stemming from the loins of um, Aegon III. And then there's another time, another god trying to force another timeline into place where Ama has, 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 has the heir. That's why there's five miscarriages. Somehow, Rhaenyra is able to be born with no fucking problem. Ama just shoots her out. She sneezes, achoo! Shot out. I just think no, you're talking no. about the Maester conspiracy. You're not talking about any gods. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So at first it's always gods, but then watching this, it, it did turn into maybe the third god might be the Maesters. So she has five miscarriages, which seems to me like whatever god is against the new timeline is killing these kids, killing these kids. Until finally this one, which is uh, Balon, which I feel like Balon is one of those powerful names that never becomes king. When Balon is born, that's the one that's kind of hard to kill. So they have to kill Ama. They have to kill Ama to make sure because if she lives, this is all then, about the Maesters. The, oh, this is all the Maesters. The, I'm sorry, but the they in your sentence is the Maesters. Like they're the only people that are doing these killings. They're in charge of all of these births, all of this healthcare. So it's either just happening, or it's. It's the maesters. The only thing I will accept is like George showing us like fate is like imposter claimants to the throne always die. Yes. That's kind of a thing. But that's not God doing that. That's Germ. That's Germ trying to be fate, I think. But that's I'm you're breaking my brain too much. I can't I just can we not talk about the gods of Westeros? Uh, let me, let me, I need it's to table that. It's hurt, but it's it was hurt. very evident to me with the writers choosing to write the lines for Ama saying five miscarriages. Can this be the last one? And then we and then we have we see this this last one, which she kind of prophesizes this is gonna be the last one. Um, it just seems that it's like, damn. Even like if you guys study fertility or try try to get pregnant, it it's almost a miracle to get pregnant the first time, right? So just yeah, miscarriages are for the men in the chat. Miscarriages are far more common than most men realize. Proceed, Gary. Right. But before the miscarriages, just getting pregnant, just getting that sperm to that egg at the right moment in time is something miraculous. So it's like, that's what I feel like it's the gauze or whatever, because it's like the sperm is getting to the egg. It's just that the, the egg is not growing to fruition. And that could be where the maesters come in because that's where the poison is. The egg is fine. The gestation is fine, but it's maybe some poison, whether maesters or magic, that's making her miscarry because this current timeline, we only need one person coming from Ama, and that's Rhaenyra. Please don't talk about timelines. You're killing me. Please. I just I can't do it. I can't do I'm it. I'm done. That, that was it. I think that, that George wants us to think about, I think that these theories, the alternate timeline theories pop up because George is constantly thinking about the road not traveled. The way he makes his story interesting is he sets up an obvious future and then hits it sideways with a car and then he's like now what happens so he's constantly making you feel like things should have happened this way or should have worked out that way that's that's what i think i think it's just good writing or whatever but let yeah. me go no. no i was done i was gonna say <laughs> tim you're making faces did you have something to say yeah oh yeah i just okay i'm gonna put it out there like i hate time travel 
as a plot device in a story because of how easily convoluted it can become. Here's the thing with time travel in a story. The author needs to establish rules of how they're going to use it, and they need to stick to those rules and 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 or and carry it out throughout the story. I think George, with what he's doing, it seems like he's using like the idea of a closed loop timeline, which Blood Raven kind of goes by on. Like, no, you can't influence the past. I tried, and and maybe Brand will break that. I don't know, but. I don't know. I, I I hate I hate time travel plot. They're so convoluted. They're so messy. They, they they can break apart so easily. And while I love the idea that this show is going to give us more magic than Fire and Blood, I also don't want to go looking to insert magic in places where it's probably not needed. Like Viserys is. I don't. Viserys is like I think Viserys's wounds is- getting infected are just medieval healthcare. These are uh, like, these are hashtag facts that Tim is dropping, Nettles. Or it's anything like Emma's miscarriages. It's like, look, medieval birth was such was so hit or miss. Like I don't see there being like any sort of magic magic element to it or or any kind of foul play. Like miscarriages just they happen. And like David said, they happen more often than the, than you think. There doesn't need to be any on any more grand conspiracy and i'm in even the macer conspiracy like it doesn't even have to go to that realm it's like so look miscarriage it happens it sucks and it happens tim you 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 hit the the very center of this conversation so we can move on i just want to harp on what you said if you're doing time travel in a story you have to embrace it that means you have to make up rules you have to be consistent and you have to tell the reader the time travel is in the story and here's how it works because otherwise it's a complete free-for-all, and you see that with the time yeah. travel theories. It's like, oh, well, Bran drove Mad King Ares crazy, and Bran was really Bran the Builder, and, like, yeah, sure, why, anything could be possible. Like, anything. I think what George is showing us is that any attempt at time travel is horrific, and it breaks everything, and that's what we're mm-hmm. going to see with the Hodering, is even Bran just having psychic contact with somebody in another timeline and pressing that boundary is going to fuck a bunch of stuff up. Maybe in a way that creates something that needed to happen, but it's the point is, like, any sort of messing with time travel is going to immediately have horrendous consequences, and it's not going to be some sort of free-for-all thing. And if you want time travel, then you have to watch Dark. Like, Dark is a great example of how you do it. I love Dark. It's the best show I've watched in years, possibly ever. I think it's far superior to Game of Thrones if you talk about what? writing and acting. Oh, yeah, forget it. Like, Dark Dark is on a level. I mean, Dark is, if you haven't watched Dark, you don't, you don't I mean, I don't even know what to say. Watch it in German with the subtitles. It's yes. the best TV show I've ever watched. I definitely think that. Um, so, yeah. I like and, it. I think it's the best TV show about time travel, like realistically. Well, that was the first thing I said about it, but every time I go back to it, I love it more. I think about it all the time. I haven't watched it in a while. I still think about it, man. Um, but anyway, I hate it when you're right, David, about the time travel in Game of Thrones. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, well, look, the point is that we want different perspectives here, you know, and so this yeah, is good. This push and pull is creating an interesting conversation, and of course, the whole point of writing a good story is to create. Things that aren't clear cut so that people can yes. dance with them and make YouTube no, channels. No, I love and, it. 
I love it. We can't, all, we, we can't always be agreeing with each other on everything. Yeah. We don't want this to be one big circle jerk. Like, like there's different. Oh, there's yeah. going to be differing opinions. I mean, I'm only right 99.9% of the time. So this is that point. <laughs> and we appreciate you leaving us that little, you know, crack to get in there. Yeah. So that's, we appreciate When we that. find that crack, we're going to go through it. All right. So um, from cracks to caraxes to hero and villain of the week, that's not a segue. Um, so let's go. What I, and here's the point of this. Gray characters. The whole point about gray characters is that George says the same person can do something that we would say is heroic or villainous at different times. Jamie Lannister being the quintessential example, he saved all of King's Landing by murdering the king, which was simultaneously right. a disgraceful act and a heroic act. And the way he talks about it takes a lot of the luster off of it. So it's very mixed up. So the point of the segment is to say, on an episode to episode basis, who showed heroism and who showed villainy? So villain of the week is easy. It's obviously Sir Otto. Is there any debate? Is it, well, okay, is it the Maesters or is it Sir Otto? Was it? Okay. Well, how about, do you want me to say my hero and villain of the week to start off? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, just, so I'm going to erase everything I read from, from the Rogue Prince and Princess and the Queen, right? And just going off of episode one, the villain is Damon. And the reason the villain is Damon is because just how they're portraying him. I, I do think that they're, they're, they're starting off with like that Jamie archetype. Where they're going to make you hate him so that you could love him deeply. Um, but villain of the week is Damon because that everything you've seen that they've, that they've spoon fed to us, we know the gold cloaks bring pretty much 0% crime to, to flea bottom, right? We know that they're effective. But the audience doesn't know that from season one. We're seeing dicks chopped off, heads chopped off, hands chopped off. That's harsh. We're seeing him cheat at the joust. That was cheating. He went He went for the horse's legs. Okay? It's definitely a uh, foul play. And thank you for the person who noticed my mic quality just got messed up. I have now fixed the problem. Thank you. Um, he's sitting on the throne the first time we ever see him. We, and I think in the books, the first time we see him is on his dragon or something. But the first time we see him in the show is on the fucking throne. The one place he nobody cannot be. So for me, the villain of the week is my big daddy, Damon. Okay? Mm. And then the hero is going to be a a Emma. It's going to be Emma. Um, she's the hero. She's, uh, we first see her giving like words of wisdom to Rhaenyra. And then we see her screaming in agony and then just like, dying a hero's death like if if um the birth uh the birth bed is the battle place of women she died an honorable death because she died in battle that's and that's exactly what i was talking about with processing these deaths is like that was like a definitely a, a valiant death so i agree with i agree with your emma call i disagree with the damon call um i strongly disagree with the damon call in fact i think that uh he's showing us what a dragon king needs to be um, in order to hold on to that throne. It is no joke. You need to project toughness. And at the very least, Viserys needs to project unity with his dragon lords if he's not going to have a dragon. The idea that Viserys is a dragon king with no dragon is ridiculous. That's the only reason why the Northmen ever knelt. We only ever knelt because Aegon had the dragons. King of the North. Blackfire, 
Viserys was showing off Blackfire in almost every scene. That's because he doesn't have a dragon. It's a compensation thing. It's like having a giant truck because you, you don't have... Anyways, um, so <laughs> point is, like, if Viserys is going to be a dragon king without a dragon, he needs to have his dragon lords tight with him, and people should look at Daemon as an extension of him. So to allow Viserys... To allow Otto to create space in between him and Damon is undercutting his rule. So everything that Damon said, you're weak and I would protect you, is correct. And everything that Damon's doing with the watch while being overzealous, still better than what's going on. So I disagree that he's the villain. I think he's showing us what this it isn't takes. This is my opinion. To... We can't disagree with my opinion. Well, uh -huh. there it is. Tim, so <laughs> my villain of the week is Otto. And with a, with a shout out to the Maesters, my hero of the week is Emma with a shout out to Kristen Cole. Go ahead, Tim. Wait, can you explain that? How Kristen is Kristen Cole? What do you mean? He's a lowborn nobody coming from nowhere, oh. coming into King's Landing, whooping a whole bunch of ass, getting looks from the two princesses, and then beating Damon Targaryen is smug ass. Like, come on, so man. Kristen's mention. awesome. What? So you mean Kristen Cole is honorable mention after Emma? After Emma, honorable mention. I thought you meant like he had something to do with her being the hero. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. No, I, that was confusing. I'm, I'm also... No, it's the way I said that. It's the way I said that. Yeah. Honorable mention to Kristen as hero of the week. Um, well, you know, he sucker punched Damon, but Damon counted his victory before it was actually done. So that's what you yeah. get. Mm -hmm. Tim, hero and villain or thoughts on our picks? Okay, so and if it hasn't been very apparent from the way I've been talking, my villain of the week is Otto Hightower. Fuck Otto Hightower. Every problem of his is of his own making. Every problem of his is because he, because Damon took a breath and that and he resented <laughs> that. <laughs> but and uh, and that's the thing. Like like Otto Otto Hightower. Like they they're really laying into like so much of this. Is his fault, and then I remind of that line when when uh, Viserys reminds him of like, well, you gave him the gold cloaks. That's you gave him the funds. You gave him the men, and then he goes like, only a half measure. And I, I'm a Breaking Bad fan, and my thought immediately went to Mike Irmichelli. No more half measures, Walter. It's like no, half measure means that you want to take that. Your end goal is to take Damon out, and and that's the thing. Like all, it's that's it's, a good point. It's like, it's if that's right, what is the full measure then? You want to send yeah. exile him, basically, or kill yeah. him. Yeah. It's just it's just pure it's it's pure resentment on Otto Hightower's part. I, and I loved it when Viserys turned on Otto and was like, is that what you're saying? Are you saying he's going to kill me? Yeah, like, yes. Really it's like, despite Damon and Viserys having their quibbles, like, no, they're at the end of the day, they love they love each other. I mean, they're going to get angry at each other, and obviously it's going to end, you know, things aren't going to go well. There's going to be, like, a disconnect for a, for a while, but they're always going to get back together. It's Otto Hightower constantly trying to drive that wedge between them. But as no matter what he does, though, eventually Damon and Viserys are going to get over the wedge and come back together, and that just pisses Otto Hightower off to no end. Hero Wait, what about... Go ahead, Nettles. What about Kristen being Dornish? So I, I wasn't quite. Sh I, th the way that they said it, it was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, I didn't I expect was that. Born What's like that? a bastard. They said he was baseborn like a bastard, but he has the last name. So I'm confused. 
He's um, Stormland. So I think the implication he's supposed to be like the son, probably like the bastard son of a marcher lord and a Dornish woman. That's how I'm interpreting it. Yeah. But how does he have a last name then? Um, well, they can, the Lord can confer a name on him if they want to, but um, did they say baseborn? He's a steward. He said, he said he's the baseborn son of a steward of Dondarrion. They whisper it in Rhaenyra's ear. Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, any anybody that has a name can take their, can and ennoble their bastard, essentially. Yeah. So okay. that must have okay. happened, I guess. And if it's Dondarrion, yeah, Dondarrion's our marcher lord, so that that even further confirms it. He's probably the bastard son of of the steward of House Dondarrion, so his father's probably a Stormlander, and his mother is probably a Dornish woman, and that's and so he's like half half Dornish. That's that's right. That's so it's slightly head. unexpected, right? It's not like Rhaenyra's like super racist or anything. It's just like, oh, he's you know he's Dornish. Yeah. But and the Dornish aren't in the fold. Like they, I think the writers made right. it a point that Rhaenyra's history book was talking about the Dornish because. Yeah. So yes, baseborn means lowborn, not a bastard. Not a bastard. Okay. That's good. what I thought too. So he's not a bastard. He's just lowborn. Okay. Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay. Um, I was going to say. The reason I said it is because I think that Dorn might play a bigger role in this series than we thought. I was just. Um, I mean, the Stepstones War, they're definitely there. Okay. Maybe that's That's the true. That's true. Yeah, maybe that's Born the angle, lends, yeah. Born lends help resources to the Triarchy in yeah. the fight against the I like Rhaenyra was like, why is he here? He's Dornish. Oh, my God. Like, you know, like, he shouldn't yeah, be but here. He lives in the, but he's from the Stormlands. So. And let me just say, let me just apologize real quick. I'm... I'm a little out of practice with shaming the commoners, and so I, you know, I don't know all of my my words that they use. The baseborn, bastardborn, you know, whatever, whatever. Like so, yeah. Sorry, hashtag too small folk. Um, so okay, so, and then you're so you're uh, so Tim uh, to who did you so your villain was Otto. Did you name a hero? Did you name a hero? No, I did not get to the hero okay. yet. Um, just for clarification, just like this. Dornish marches are in the Stormlands, the Reach and stuff. It's kind of like how Kansas City is actually in Missouri. You got to look at it like that. Dornish marches <laughs> are not actually Dorn. Okay. Um, right. Okay, but but just, they said that he is Dornish. Just to give, a, just to give us an example of, of, of how confusing these naming conventions could be. But anyway, Hero. Hero. I'm giving it to Damon. I'm giving it to my man Damon. Now, maybe more of an anti-hero of the week. <laughs> But uh, I look at Damon, especially when he delivers that line to Viserys, like, because you're weak, because I will protect you. I took it in the way of, like, what really scares the shit out of the small council is Damon pulling what Stannis would have done had Robert made Stannis the hand, which is he would have killed all, like, Littlefinger would not be... Not only like these guys, they wouldn't be in, they wouldn't lose their cushy positions. They would straight up lose their heads. And that's what I'm trying to say. That's the job description to be a barbarian king of a, of a giant kingdom that only obeys you because you can kill anyone with your dragon. That's the job description. You have to constantly be able to project that force or else people, the rebellions, the treasons will spring up like weeds. We saw that with Aenys. And Viserys is very clearly not projecting that force, and Damon is pointing at it. So I agree with you. I almost made Damon the hero for that point, but that was my whole thing arguing against Nels's point, calling him the villain, is because Damon is essentially like, 
He is demonstrating what it takes for a dragon lord to hold on to that throne. And if it's really that important, then Viserys is not doing the right things to really hold on to that throne. And so, yeah, I, I do think... Now, Damon's obviously flawed, you know, um, but uh, he it's a very important point that he's demonstrating. Like, if Damon didn't exist, why would the Targaryens still be in power at all? Ask yourself that question. Yeah. yeah. The, what, Viserys might have been killed would... already. If Damon didn't exist, Viserys might have been killed already. That's right. Just like Aenys. Aenys was about right. to be killed without That's Ingor. right. So. I guess the way I the way I would want to put it is Damon is the hero for being willing to make tough calls. Now, whether the call he makes is the right call, that's up for debate. But it's uh, different from Viserys, who doesn't want to make a call at all because Viserys wants to defer to other people and get their opinion. And sometimes, like making those hard choices, even if they're not the right choices, that takes that that takes an edge that Viserys doesn't have. But Damon does, and that's the heroic element. So it's like it's not—it's it, a very different interpretation of what makes a person. A well, hero. thank you for defining that, Tim. That's very interesting. I appreciate it. That makes it may, has more weight now. I, I appreciate that. That's that's a very thought-provoking way to think about it. Yeah, the hero is in like the protagonist of the story. That's making the straw that stirs the drink is what I called it, which is originally uh, it was Mickey Mantle that they, they said that about. I think it was. Um, but in any case. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Fuck. I'm distracting myself with these little sides. You're saying that, you're saying that Tim had... Thank you, Tim, for putting it in that. Yeah, right word. before that, I was going to harp on something he said. Uh, was it yeah, comparing but just, No, I just really fans? feel that Damon is holding it together for the house, and that's not being appreciated. And yeah, I really do feel like Viserys would already... I mean, there are... They they potentially again just murdered his wife and son right in front of him. So um, you know you could see how powerless he potentially is. Okay, so Viserys gave his blessing though. What's that? Viserys gave his blessing. He chose. He chose the heir over his wife. Oh yeah, no, for sure, um, for sure. Uh, but they see. but they did. They were. I I would give them ninety percent of the blame because they're the ones that brought the fucking question to Viserys. I'll give Viserys 10% of the blame. Oh, I was just going to... I remember what I was going to say. In some of the other previews, we've seen Rhaenyra in the small council making a suggestion specifically to Viserys where she says, you have drag... Your family... Ha you have Dragon's father. And I'm guessing that they're talking about what to do about the Stepstones thing because we know that what ends up happening is a bunch of the Valerion dragons go down there. Daemon... And apparently Lainor and Sea Smoke and potentially Vagar and Lena and Melis and Rainies all go down to the Stepstone. So probably Viserys is like afraid to use his dragons and, you know, Rhaenyra is not allowed to go and all the other ones go. So already Rhaenyra is potentially, I'm guessing, going to start chafing against Viserys' lack of projection of dragon power. And it's it's an interesting thing to, for her to say. You mean like now that she has the, the official title? Right. Exactly. You know, she's like, oh, well, if I'm, you know, going to start having opinions all about lords stuff. lords just bowed to her. That's the last, is that the last thing? That's the last thing we saw is all these lords bowing to her. Yep. Yep. We're, uh, we'll have to, uh, the, the journey of Rhaenyra's character is going to be one of the main things that the show has to pull off. So we will see how that goes. Um, 
So, uh, so the segment, the ch 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 change, yes. The idea of that was, uh, how are they dealing with the adaption? We already picked up the main difference was the aging up of Rhaenyra. We talked about the prophecy. Um, so I think we've about covered that angle. And then the Nan watch, I just created so that we're always make sure we talk about the olds on the show. Don't have to be the Nans, can be the grandpas too, but just old dragons and old people. I just figured they need a little... So it was kind of Rainies and Corliss, the closest thing we have to Nans here. I mean, Rainies is a is a grandma, so that's a Nan. Um, I have one. Who was that Kingsguard that we kept seeing? They never named him, but he was always with Viserys. He was old. I think that's Ryan Redwine, um, although he should be... I forget when he dies, but that was definitely him at the Great Council. So I think they're okay. just making him like stick around a little longer, maybe. Am I right about that, guys? Um, I think so because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna play with the timeline a little bit just just for continuity's sake. Um, somebody had a comment that the show was kind of dreamlike, um, with all the the crossfading between scenes and some of the ways that bled. Like I I agree with that. I like that too, and it enhances the idea that we're seeing this glimpse of history. Um, so that's probably something they can do even more when they have to do the time skips if they need to, to go get a little dreamlike and stuff. But yeah, I dug that. I, I like that kind of filmmaking. So that was cool. Good comment there. Um, Otto is the villain, no question. Thundacious D says, yep. Um, I, I mean, the only rival to Otto really is the Maesters to me. Um, and they, I told you they were more sinister, didn't I? I mean, I keep saying it, but they really, really were, weren't they? I didn't even like those women that were attending to. No, the, the whole thing was creepy. Yeah. I didn't like those women. They're like the nuns that'll lock you up for like weeks and weeks and beat you or something. Shame. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, all right. Um, and then, uh, so yeah. And then, uh, so is there anything we didn't discuss? That's where we are now. So anything we missed and now let's wrap it up. Last call for questions. Final closing thoughts. Um, very cool to be back with good show to watch. That's my main takeaway. My main emotion coming out of the theater was this is going to be a great show, you know, right among the top, the reasons why would be they're treating us like adults. The acting is strong. Cinematography is great. They're embracing the fantasy elements. Um, they're building up characters quickly and efficiently. These are all the things I liked about it. So what do you guys, what do you guys uh, for me, I, I, we covered everything in my notes, except the only thing is I have here is that uh, Viserys is a crystals bitch. And what I meant by that is like Viserys is that friend that we all have who's like into crystals. And it's like, you know, hey. positive, positive energy. I'm just going to see the good in Damon, the good in Ama, the good in Rhaenyra. Okay, like, I feel you. I'm just going to put all this good energy out. But it's like, but life is more, is just a touch deeper than the crystals. Like, yeah, you have good intentions and it's not your fault, but it's like, you got to dig a little deeper. That's the only, that's the only like thing that I, we didn't cover. And like, that's like kind of like my takeaway over who Viserys is, is he loves his crystals and his uh, good karma and positive energy. He's definitely uh, well, you know, trying to hold this thing together with tape glue and wishes. Um, I'm not sure what your question is, Millennial Peter, about Kristen Cole um, and the Baratheon Lord. Uh, I just I think the Baratheons are kind of chumps in this story, and they're just showing you like he's kind of arrogant. The Rainey's is is half Baratheon, uh, so she, there's a connection there. 
Um, so that person asking for her favor was probably distantly related to her. And she did refer to him as cousin. Cousin, right. So then, yeah, so he's just a little overconfident. They're just setting up character traits that are going to come up later with certain Brathians. So that's, you know, I mean, they just it's just a haughty guy that got some comeuppance. And they got to show you Kristen Cole beating people that he's not expected to beat. So he's the karate kid working his way up through the ranks right there. You're the best around. No one's ever going to keep Kristen down. All right. Hey. <laughs> There's a musical program here. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Tim, uh, so, Tim, closing thoughts, general thoughts. Very, uh, love the show. Very excited with what they're doing. I can't um, – like I said, I, I love that they're not dumbing it down for us. Like I see like it's accessible enough for a casual viewer, but it's not hand-holding. Now, me as a book reader, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna talk up the books. And if you're willing to take you know take the plunge, I'm always gonna say like read the books. But I understand they're a huge investment, so I can't I'm not gonna I can never fault anyone for being a casual viewer. But I do love that that they're gonna treat you like an adult. But you are you know there's just gonna have to be times where like you're gonna have to pay attention because some names are gonna sound similar and some names are gonna be repeated. But that's how you know that's how real history works. It's like if you can't follow that, then I got some horrible news for you. If you ever look at French history and how many Louis are running around at the same time, yeah, it's, I mean there's King Louis, there's Louis Vuitton, there's uh, no. Uh, but the thing <laughs> is like yeah, I don't. All these characters are very strong and distinct. Like you wouldn't confuse Rainies and Rhaenyra. Mm -hmm. No, they're not similar at all. They're very different in age and appearance and allegiance and all that. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of strong characters that are defining themselves. People were wondering why we haven't seen some of the next generation people as much, and like this is why they don't want to confuse people. Like we got to get to know these people first. We'll worry about all those other folks later. So we haven't even seen Olivia Cook and um, and we won't. Yeah. For several. And once we see them, that means Millie and uh, um, Emily. Uh, Darcy? No, who's young Allison? Um, oh, I don't know. Emily Carey. I'd be the worst for the actor. Emily things. Carey. <laughs> I should know her name. I defend, I went to bat for her on Twitter when she stuck up for Allison, and people were like, Did you even read the book? <laughs> I was like, Shut the fuck up. You didn't read the book. She's like, I've met George R. R. Martin. Have you, bitch? Yeah. People are so rude. <laughs> In any case. Um, but not our crowd. Our crowd is wonderful, very polite. They send super chats and ask great questions and hang out and are polite. And it just, it's all, it's very friendly scene here. It's been a great debut of uh, the Flying Dragons postgame show today. Any, what do you guys think of my new channel artwork that I put up today, huh? 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 Love, love, yeah, love. Okay. Minty love, liked love, love. it, so, you know. I have two, I have a question for you, you two gentlemen. Yeah. What, what are, just one thing, you can only name one. What are your predictions for for episode two, for what we'll see, a lot of core, a lot of Valarion, because they, we got short shift on Valarion. Um, also, more Mysaria, but people asking me what I thought about Mysaria. I'm I'm reserving judgment. I, I liked it kind of, I think, but I don't know. It was so quick. Like I need to see more. It's definitely tantalizing, so I'm I'm interested. But she was just not in many scenes, so. She obviously has a connection with Damon, and she's probably the only one that he will just collapse and put his head on her shoulder and be like, oh, thank you. Like, so that's cool, but mostly next week it's going to be a lot of Valarions. We're going to get <clears throat> probably set up the Stepstones thing or maybe even do it. I don't know, depending on how fast the show moves, but 
Valarion big time next week. That's my prediction. Tim? Like, I know the ep- – again, I've been trying to avoid all of the leaks. Like, I know that, like, I, th- I guess the episode names or at least the placeholder names were leaked. What? But I don't even – I don't even know what they are, so I could be dead wrong. But I think – like, this episode was very contained because it was all in King's Landing. So I think episode two is when we're going to start branching out more. Maybe we'll see – like like Dave said with the Valerians, maybe we'll see some drift mark. Maybe we'll see Dragonstone. I'm sure we're gonna have to catch up with wherever date what David and Mysaria are doing and where where they're headed. So I think that's when we're gonna start seeing episode two is when we're gonna start seeing uh, start introducing the other locations because obviously we're not always gonna stay in King's Landing. Good point. Yeah, we'll see Damon and Mysaria on Driftmark, maybe War Council with Corliss. Or I mean on Dragonstone and then maybe War Council with Corliss on Driftmark or something, yeah. Do you want to hear my prediction? Yeah. No, no, Nettles. No, we don't. Now, go ahead. <laughs> Kristen Cole. Kristen Cole. <laughs> More of him. Him and Rhaenyra uh, falling for each other or just like what it's like to live in the Dornish marches, hopefully, if, you know. Yeah, that, that's what I'm looking forward to. And Either two or three, play. they've got to start that. Yeah, if that's going to be a thing, I agree with that. Um, let's see. Okay, so then uh, let's uh, – what was I going to say? Oh, yes. I wanted to ask everyone in all seriousness, like a serious question, both you guys and the chat, is the Flying D's thing corny? And should we change it to Flying Dragons? Because I can keep all the graphics and stuff the same and just say House of Flying Dragons instead of House of Flying Ds. Now, I, I think Hot D is distasteful because, as Tony Teflon pointed out today, nobody wants a Hot D. That's not cool. Um, so uh, <laughs> you might need to see a doctor about that was, was the conclusion, you know? Like, <laughs> But no, seriously, though, the Flying Ds thing, like, should we... Should we change it to House of Flying Dragons officially, or should I just leave it at House of Flying Ds and that's cool? And you know that our content is mature, even though, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for the long-term, Flying Dragons, but I've got the mind of an eighth grader, so I, I, did, like the, <laughs> I, I did like the Flying Ds, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, the, long-term, probably Dragons. The whatever. chat says keep it. Um, keep it, woohoo! Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of sophisticated dick jokes. Okay, <laughs> I want to <laughs> stay flying these. I think it's sophisticated because it's referencing House of Flying Daggers and the <laughs> dragons fly, and we saw a chop a dick get chopped off and thrown in the air today. So there was literally a flying D of probably like three different varieties today. So I I think we're gonna stick with it. <laughs> But look, just because it's low-hanging fruit doesn't mean it can't be juicy and ripe, all right? Oh, Minty says no one wants a cold D. Maybe that's true. I guess wouldn't when you want the Goldilocks zone? I don't know. Maybe yeah. this is too much discussion. Nobody wants a his bar. I, I definitely don't want to pull the hot D over the cold D. I'm with you, Minty. Hot D over cold D. I just think that a wet pussy is just that's just that's just gross and and my wife has as dry dry like <laughs> go Ben Shapiro yes Ben yes Ben <laughs> exactly you don't want to go Ben Shapiro out here so yeah <laughs> if you don't know what that is by the <laughs> I think everyone saw that you're actually. blessed if you don't know what that is you're blessed because I hate that I know what that is I hate that no nah, everybody the the WAP was everybody I, I, probably my dad knows about that I mean that got around. 
<laughs> what was the what was his what was his main line? The, the you know the, there was that remix, right? The tech the techno remix of it was a remix of the Cardi B song with Ben Shapiro cut in. Oh yeah. It was dope. He, it was dope, he was man. Reading, he was reading the lyrics in the most robot way possible. Yeah. That's what it was. He was reading the Cardi B lyrics, yeah. <laughs> All right, this is a good place to stop. Thank you guys. This has been great. Um, I'm going to get a good night's sleep and then tomorrow I will download the episode and get started on making some some videos and we'll see you back next Sunday with more stuff to talk about hopefully less childbirth death but there'll be something else awful that will have to counsel you for so you can always expect to get a good mix of dick jokes intelligent analysis and grief counseling here at house of flying deeds that's what we offer council is out of session thank you all for coming you've been beautiful thank you tim thank you nettles uh could we plug our own channels real quick oh yeah sorry yeah <laughs> you're in the you're already in the description um but yes by all means, grip tell those the people. coattails and ride them. <laughs> but uh, I plan on going live this Saturday uh, on the Grey Waste Tim Whoa. channel and be covering Shadow over Innsmouth. So go watch Dave's video on the lizard people and then come join me for uh, we're going to invoke the spirit of that most esteemed marine biologist, the nimble Dr. Richard Crabb, and we're going to look at the fish people. Nice. Okay. Well, I might have to come out for that one, man. Um, usually your Saturday night streams are hard for me because I'm getting ready for my Sunday morning stream, but I'm not yeah. doing Sunday morning streams anymore. So I'll have to come by, but yes, check out lizard people. And then, uh, just go over to Tim's channel and start wandering around in the dark corners. Cause he's, he's kind of like the Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard, et cetera, et cetera. That era of literature, which is a big influence on George. So Tim is our expert slash enthusiast. If that puts less pressure on you, Tim. Uh, yeah, know. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be doing this stream in conjunction with, uh, well, it was uh, Skull Pit Mutants. They're doing a flash. I've plugged their stuff before. The Wend they did these resin Wendigo figures. Uh, they're part of my artist friend Nick Eck, who does my, who does a lot of my stuff for me. Um, he's working with them, and they're doing a last bus out of Innsmouth flash sale for some squisher resin squisher figures that they're making and those are gonna i'll have all the details of that in the next in the upcoming days i was about to say we got a whole chat full of youtube channel member squishers might want to get their hands on one of them things <laughs> <laughs> all right Woo! um and then girl nettles you're so guys both of my co-hosts are very clever they have named their channels after the same names that they use on this stream. So how do you find Grey Waste Tim? You type in Grey Waste Tim to the YouTube box. How do you find Girl Nettles? You type in Girl Nettles to the YouTube box. I just want to shout out the chat because I am you and you are me. Like I started off uh, as a bot, or not a bot, as a person on, well, when you were LML, <laughs> LML's channel. I'm still and LML, I but thought, yeah. I, yeah, really, yeah. I never thought that my face would like, be on here so shout out to the chat you keep me young i love you and well, you brought a lot to the table nettles oh sorry sorry go ahead and finish i was trying to compliment you go ahead that was it y'all y'all can't even handle my channel because i've only had two people in the history of the world do my drink and know things challenge so don't even bother going to my channel um but <laughs> unless you can handle it fuck yeah chat i love you guys Right on. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Um, you're bringing a lot. I was just going to say, you're bringing a lot to the, the program here. So I'm very honored to have you on the show. 
and uh, yeah, it's it's been great. So, um, and yeah, that's if you guys like drinking games. Uh, it, at the, before the show, there was a lot of drinking game chatter. What what's the drinking game? I was saying it's when you see a dragon or when they say the name of a dragon. Um, but you know, if you like drinking I games, then check yeah, check. Well, it depends. Some of these episodes would kill you. Um, then uh, check out Girl Nettles' channel, and she has it's it's you have to name all the Targaryen kings, isn't that it? Yes, while you're drunk. While you're order. drunk. So yes, that was uh, <laughs> that's on her channel. So there you go, guys. Um, thanks a lot. And of course, there's also a link to benefit Nick X uh, uh, chosen cancer charity. So you can check that out. That link is also in the description of the video. Um, so that is our good cause of the week. Yes, and uh, that much, glass Jackie. is empty. Oh, my goodness. Why should we end the stream if you're just getting saucy? <laughs> yeah, thank you to everyone who sent a super chat in. Thank you for supporting the cause. Thank you for yeah. uh, supporting, especially, and shout out to Nick. One of my one of my best friends wouldn't, wouldn't have the channel. Or he's... Half, half of what my channel is is because of what he's contributed for me. And I always want to credit him. And I also want to – and every artist. Like, we always got always want to credit artists that we use that we use uh, everything. Like, they don't, they don't get the credit that they deserve, and people need to quit cropping their names out of pictures. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, you know, you know I'd take a strong stance with that on my channel, so. Oh, dang. Okay, that's true, yeah. All right, right on. Well, um, lots of love for you guys in the chat, so thanks for coming on, and I will see you two again next week and see all of you beautiful people, like I said, during the week with some videos. I've got no idea, so just be subscribed to the channel, and uh, I'll have stuff popping up all week. So, Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Good night.